When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Staying in to watch the sport, let us cook. Get your Macca's favourites delivered with McDelivery. Rotoflex, world-leading biomechanical design by Blunston. Stability meets the freedom to move. Available at participating retailers now. Kick back and relax. It's time for the run home with Kirsten Beeve. Welcome along to the run home on SENZ. Thanks to McDelivery and Rotoflex by Blunston. Stability meets the freedom to move. Scotty and Beef with you. Scotty filling in for Kirst. I don't know why I'm talking about myself in the third person, but <laughs> yeah, I'm Scotty and I'm filling in for Kirst. Um, Beef, you, have you got that seat under control? Oh, because you've had all sorts of issues. It's like there's some sort of gag being played with these uh, seats in here. We have these extraordinary high microphones, and usually we have a really good elevated seat, but for some yeah. reason the seats, all four of them in here, the four spare seats, are Just all low locked, ri- on, low riding. locked on low riding, and yeah. I'd not for the life of me <laughs> increase the height. So uh, I'm talking up to my microphone at the moment. and uh, It's good for your posture. Yeah, it's, it's great for my posture. It's not great that I'm going to have to start kneeling on my seat to be able to reach my microphone, but no, apart from that. Look, uh, we'll get through it. We got through yesterday, and there were some hairy moments. And um, look, Kieran was um, obviously in the studio trying to produce us along with Jacob, and I've never seen a man look so broken after he an was, outside wasn't broadcast. He? For those of you listening, I mean, radio is a complex beast and there's a lot of moving parts. Brendan and Jacob were down at the Maritime Room with us um, trying to produce. Richard Becht, the Warriors media manager, was, was I, th- I thought, casual casual in his collection of uh, people to talk to. And that's okay too. Then there were volivants and canapes and there's a lot of uh, old warriors there and he was having a jolly good time. We were kind of struggling. Uh, we're going to play you some audio a little bit later about our Elvis, uh, not Elvis, our Abbott and Costello act uh, there for a time. Uh, look, it was us though. I thought it was authentic. I thought it was about as handy as we ever are in any social situation. Uh, But a big thank you to Jacob, who's back on the tools today, and, of course, Kieran as well. Uh, Let's get through a few headlines. I guess the biggest story of the week or the biggest story of the day uh, here in New Zealand uh, was Ian Foster finally coming out, breaking the silence around uh, the process, I guess, more than anything else, of appointing uh, the next all-black coach. And I say the next all-black coach because that's not necessarily a new all-black coach. 
Uh, we were promised all kinds of timelines uh, by the powers that be at New Zealand Rugby. Uh, those timelines seem to have come and gone or they've just been shifted, uh, as the goalposts so often are with that organisation. So we're still none the wiser about who the next all-black coach would be. But uh, I thought extraordinary today, Ian Foster, um, choosing to talk to Gregor Paul uh, from the New Zealand Herald about the situation. And uh, I do believe uh, we've got some audio from Gregor Paul talking about how uh, that all came to be. Uh, he initiated the chat. I don't think he would mind me saying that. He wanted to talk publicly about the situation that he was observing quietly in the background, and he felt it was no longer the right thing for him to do to uh, just sit and observe. He had a few things that he wanted to put into the public domain. So that's what happened. Did he ever? Uh, that was on Darcy Watergrove's show on News Talk ZB. Uh, Foster also joined uh, another uh, ZB host, uh, Mike Hosking, uh, at breakfast. Um, and uh, he said he's looking at the energy in the debate and it's becoming about individuals and what people want regarding timing. He then went on to uh, drop this. And quite frankly, I don't know that going early or late is going to suit me either way, Mike. You know, I think it's pretty highly unlikely that I, that, that I will be in this job next year. But I keep getting asked about it, well, am I going to apply and apply? And I kind of think, well, that's not really the big question for me. The big question is what's the best thing for the All Blacks in 2023? And for me, the team comes first, and I want to express that view. Intriguing. Really intriguing comments uh, from Ian Foster, but I, I think beneath it all there's a frustration. Uh, this guy is the current all-black coach and he is being put through a process to determine whether he is the guy to take the team forward. Uh, he obviously doesn't get a chance to prove his chops at a Rugby World Cup, as so many coaches before him have, um, and he's looking at a sample size, I think, in, in mitigation or litigate, litigating the issue. Uh, he was in a COVID time beef, uh, but ultimately results-driven business uh, the most successful professional sporting team in the history of professional sport. Uh, you are winning around 65% of your games. That's probably not good enough. But I think that's an extraordinary admission from a coach who's not only coaching the team and should have the confidence to keep coaching the team, uh, but is in the running to keep coaching the team to say, I don't know if I'm going to have the job. Well, it's not up to him. He serves there at the board's discretion. Every all-black coach serves at the board's discretion. He's, there's no special treatment here. But it's the board I think we need to focus on, and I guess that's why he's come out swinging, and that is swinging for an all-black coach because this is a sport that largely keeps people silent. And as soon as you pop your head up and say anything, you're on a blacklist. And we could name quite a few people who have been on that in the past just for standing <laughs> up and having an opinion yes. on the national body. Uh, I don't know where your head's at at the moment about what you've read today uh, from Ian Foster via Gregor Paul or on, on other audio clips, but I, I think this is an, just an extraordinary story which feeds into the narrative that I think surrounds New Zealand rugby right now, that they're a basket case. Yeah, well, first of all, uh, first observation, uh, Ian, if you need some points raised in the media, um, you know, like why go to... Is it, is it Hosking? Is it a guy called Hosking? I'm sitting right here. I'm about 20 metres down from your employee's front door. Uh, secondly, isn't it interesting... You've got people saying we need this to happen now. We've got mm. people saying it need to happen after the World Cup. Make no bones about it. Everyone has their reason for saying when it needs to happen. 100%. And I can understand 100% why Fozzie would say this needs to happen after the World Cup. I can 100% understand why Razor says this needs to happen now. Um, so it's just, I guess, how, I won't say dumb, but how easily played 
the people in that office in New Zealand Rugby Union are going to be as far as mm. who they listen to, mm. who works them over, who do they want to. The other thing that stood out for me, Vio, there, Sumo, is I'm highly unlikely to be in this job. Mate, if you win the World Cup, I think you're highly likely yeah. to be in it. <laughs> well, but that, but that's, see, that to me is, a, is an admission that you're on the back foot already. Is that mm. what we want? Is that who you want coaching the most successful professional sports team in the world? Well, then again, or do you want a guy to come out and say, I am the coach, I would like to be the next coach, I think I've got the chops to be the next coach, I'm going to go through this process, but I'm determined to be the coach of this team after the World Cup. Surely that's a stronger statement than uh, this process stinks um, and, gee, I'm unlikely to be the coach. That, I mean, that's, I mean, it's weak. It's, to me, it's weak. Has the process already been done? Well, maybe. Then come uh, out and say that. Yeah. Come Is out it, and say that. Are we irritating for the sake of it now? Well, it, it, look, it just seems to be that you know, self-interest is big in this sport, right? And self-interest is big in any sport. Yep. But you're dealing when about, there's money involved. Of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even when there's not in some cases. You're talking about rugby. You're talking about the coach of the All Blacks. Uh, there are egos involved. There are going to be eggshells broken when you're making any omelette. But for goodness sake, I mean, this omelette that New Zealand rugby are making is filled with eggshells. Mm. And they're serving that on a plate, cold, to the rugby-watching public of this country. Can someone please have the gumption, the business nows, and the respect for your fan base to get this squared away? And not only to your fan base, but to the people in the game. And I'm going to ask you another question, Beef. Mm. We go on all the time about players not being available for the All Blacks because they go overseas. We go on all the time about coaches not being able to coach the All Blacks until they've been overseas. <laughs> can you tell me? Can you tell me how many coaches of an All Black side have scored tries in Rugby World Cup finals while they're coaching the team? Why is it one rule for the players? Surely they're going to go overseas and get the intellectual property that we now deem so important, so important, than the one coach in this process who has stayed here for the entire time. The entire time is deemed unworthy in some circles of coaching the All Blacks because he has no international experience, and yet all of these players who go overseas are told that, well, you're not going to pay for the All Blacks because you've gone overseas to get experience. It is just horseshit. Well, there's an argument to say that if the coaches stay in New Zealand, then our players in New Zealand will be getting higher in coaching, therefore we will still keep our gap on the rest of the world. Would have thought so. <laughs> Would have thought so. It's actually a very good point. I've never actually thought of that one, Simo. We're going to like come it. back to that after five because we're going to chat to uh, Wynne Gray. For those of you, um, you know, you don't have to be that old. Uh, Wynne was one of the most powerful writers in the sport uh, with the New Zealand Herald for many, many years and, and a very good writer on rugby, among other sports. But he's going to talk to us about how he sees the current relationship between NZR, the media, fans, this current situation and what it must be like to cover. Staying with rugby very briefly uh, on our headlines, uh, Warren Gatlin's delayed his team for the England test. This was a huge test. This is always a big occasion, Beef. Uh, Welsh rugby's in all sorts. Um, it actually makes New Zealand rugby look like um, they're flying through life. Yeah, well, the thing is, you can never threaten a protest or a uh, not going to play in this mm. country because you'll, you'll find 20 guys put their hand up. <laughs> but, but in Wales, you start to run, the, the cupboard starts to run pretty beer pretty quickly. Uh, got but there's five guys in this office <laughs> that put their hand yeah, up. Yeah, of course. I mean, young Jacob, uh, powerful, powerful little halfback. I yeah, he would have been. Uh, crafty. He's got um, something to say here. 
Jacob, yeah, I was quite nippy back in the day. <laughs> I only played one season of rugby, but uh, I was, a, I was a, attempted to be a first five. What was, that, what was that high school you went to that completely uh, derailed Bay. your sports career? Uh, Long, Long Bay. Bay. That's right. Yeah. Long Bay. Yeah. Don't go there. You end up on the abs. Don't really. Yeah. No, go there for a good time. But don't yeah. go there for a sporting reason. He was on the he was on the verge of being the next Dan Vittori. Went there, yeah, turned into nothing. And you were no, not you nothing. were neck and neck. <laughs> you were neck and neck with who? Uh, and then oh, they, Quinn Sunday. Yeah. Right. Now look at well, Angus McKenzie too. Look, yeah. to be honest, that's what happens when you use drugs as a teenager. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that was nicknamed. Our school was nicknamed Bong Bay, but um, <laughs> Bong Bong. Slide that under, under the rug. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, um, let's get to football because uh, there are some football fans out there who love the Champions League. I'm not among them, but um, Real Madrid putting five past Liverpool. Oh, Liverpool! Oh, that, that kind of brace. I like Liverpool. Oh, when Real Madrid. Uh, putting it all together, Simo. You like, you like Real Madrid. I've ran my eye over Real Madrid uh, live and my word, they can play football. Mm. Mm. Good team. <laughs> good team. <laughs> Did they play at that real good stadium? So, they yeah. No, they played at Anfield this year. Oh, yeah. 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 The, the, yeah. the return <laughs> league will be back at the real good stadium. At the real good stadium? Yeah. yeah. And it is, I'm telling you, Look, I don't, know. Stadium. I don't know how many of you out there are, are astute um, mm. or onto it, but we've pretty much reached the bottom of the barrel of our collective football knowledge <laughs> on that one headline. Um, so let's move on. White Ferns eliminated by the, uh, from the T20 uh, World Cup. The oh, I'm, gr- I'm gutted. I thought Pinky and the gang were going to do a number on the Proteas today because South Africa's World Cup record is abysmal. Uh, not to be. It was a 10-wicket win for the South Africans, uh, which means the White Ferns are going to be departing the Republic. Uh, they're going to sit back and they're going to re- absolutely rue that slow start. Uh, I think the last two games, granted the opposition was down Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, but uh, the South African game in particular, uh, Australia are so far ahead of the pack. They should go on and win this with ease. Um, but that game against South Africa, uh, that's going to give a few of them nightmares. And it's a real shame. I think they've, they've got players in that side and I think they've got the core of a team that should be uh, semi-finals at least in, in every World Cup. So, I mean, how would you gauge... Disappointment levels around that white fern side, beef. Yeah, I mean, because they've been they've been very consistent for a very long time, haven't they? Yeah. I mean, yes, the World Cup here that was the fifty that was the fifty over stuff, wasn't it? That yes, kept, it was. But which again, again, was, fell short, fell short. Yep, and and I guess significantly <clears throat> um, when they went with such high hopes. Yeah. Still, they got they got names that go and perform. Around the world at these other leagues too. I mean, well, they do. the Divines and yeah, well, Divine and Kerr, Kerr getting contracts for the IPL, and they went huge contracts. Um, you know, compared to some. I mean, Ash Gardner going for half a million. Um, Shreddy Murder um, going for uh, Shreddy Mundane going for six hundred thousand um, vis-a-vis fifty and ninety. So um, they're a long way down the pecking order and the reckoning of of ICC or Indian cricket at the moment. So um, some work to be done. I think there's going to be some kind of post-mortem about that. Finally, Sam Whitelock, mate, uh, before we get to a break, ruled out of the Chiefs clash. Uh, we were going through the lineups. First lineups of the season uh, for the Chiefs versus the Crusaders on Friday night, 7.05 at AMI Stadium. What is it now? Orange Theory Stadium. Orange Theory. Still Orange Theory, is it? Yep. What's that? Is that a gym? It's a gym. Wouldn't know. Yeah. Um, so that is an absolute ball buster. Uh, but Whitelock, uh, his withdrawal from the game with after a head knock in the last preseason, Mitch Dunshay coming back, which is good news for the Crusaders. He was out for most of last year. Um, how much does that weaken that Crusaders pack? Oh, it's big for me. 
it swings it. And I mean, yeah. I know you all thought I was on the Chiefs anyway, and I probably was. You are. But it swings it for me just from a mentality point of view. I think the Chiefs would look at that forward pack now, and yep, Dunche, he was on the verge of being an all-black. He was. Um, black had his back and the likes. But a Sam Whitelock on the team list, completely different for me, I think... I think the, the Chiefs have a pack that's been talked about, that has been bolstered by the off-season. Mm. They should be going down saying, you know, we're going to win this game up front. And if they don't win it up front, then they don't win. Well, your boy Clayton Zeus picked D-Mac at first five, so Ooh. you've got one wish come true there. It's good that Clayton's got on board, my thinking. Uh, it's taken <laughs> it's taken a few years, but he's on board now. Um, and, and I'm glad they did it. I, I was worried they weren't. Mm. But I'm glad they've done it. On a side issue, while we're talking rugby, we've got a Gloucester Harlequins game up in the background. Yeah. And I know it's allowed now, but there's two guys here, and admittedly, they're both on the wings. One used to play for England, so he's let himself down. Wearing skins, full-length skins. Yeah. I know it gets cold up there, Not but ideal. please, you're going to go play a game. Are Can you taking yourself seriously? No, well, I'm not taking you seriously. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, the fact that you're in full body like her right now is really distracting <laughs> for me as well. Hey, listen, while you get around the skins, uh, we're going to take a break. But don't forget the temper bed post, text machine 8833. Get in touch with any of your thoughts. Short ad break here coming up. Uh, plenty more to talk about around uh, the footy in particular and in Foster's comments specifically. To watch the sport, let us cook. Get your Macca's favourites delivered with McDelivery. Rotoflex, world-leading biomechanical design by Blunston. Stability meets the freedom to move. Available at participating retailers now. Hold on to your seats. It's the run home with Kirsten B. You remember when we used to sing sha la 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 Just like that. sha la 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 You're on SENZ in the run home with Kirsten Beef. Scotty filling in for Kirst today. All thanks to McDelivery and Rotoflex by Blunston. Stability means the freedom to move. A little later on the show, we're going to talk to Wynn Gray about uh, NZR and the communication issues therein. Jacob Spooney's going to catch up, talk all things football. Olivia Caldwell just around the corner talking about a crazy situation, the Southern Lakes Ultra Marathon, where uh, a number of athletes had to be rescued. Uh, due to the weather, that was uh, overnight, I believe. Um, so scary times for some of the ultra runners out there in the deep south. I'm uh, going to cover all that and more, but uh, plenty to talk about, and we'd love to hear from you as well uh, over the next uh, 15 minutes or so. Uh, don't forget, you can call any time on the Makita phone line, 0800 150 811. That's 0800 150 811. Or give us a text on the Temper Bedpost text machine. You know the number because I've forgotten it. Uh, eight eight three three. That's what that is. Tell us what you think. If you've got a point of view to make on on what you've heard today from Ian Foster around the the situation around the All Blacks coaching job, I know you've probably been through this ad nauseum, but there's always uh, an advancement in the story. And today, I think extraordinary that the current All Black coach has come out and criticised the process, the very process he's going to have to be part of if he wants to continue to be the All Blacks coach. Um, such is life. Uh, we're not owed anything in this life. Um, that is the way New Zealand rugby have gone, although I say that's the way New Zealand rugby have gone. No one really knows which way they're going to go, <laughs> and no one knows who's in the running anyway. So um, it's all good stuff. Soap opera continues out of uh, Wellington. And just down the hallway here, it'd be nice um, someone came and talked.
Yeah, uh, they all listen down there, so you never know. It might it might happen. Uh, you mm. mentioned Texas. We've already got a few. Uh, Beaver, mm. Chiefs, not a show. 13 All Blacks in the starting tie side for the Crusaders. That seems light for me by Crusaders standards. Um, <laughs> only 13. The, it's just in the starting side. Oh, in the starting side, yeah. yeah. Geez, who are they allowed to sneak into that without being an All Black? Yeah, it's hard to say. <laughs> well, Dunshay's going to be. So yeah. they've obviously said we'll, we'll get a start on that. Look, to be honest, I, I, I agree. I think Crusaders go into that as favourites. Of course they do. First mm. game of the season at home. They are the reigning champs. But there's no Crusaders side that doesn't have about 13 All Blacks in it. They have done for the last seven years. That's just who they are. But that's not enough to scare off anyone going down there. No, especially... The Chiefs spe- are boasting some heat. Oh, and especially for Chiefs boys, because they'll, they'll reply to that text and say, well, when you were born a Crusader, you're born an All Black. Um, so it's not too hard to make it from there. Real chip on the shoulder. Yeah, oh, yeah, and that'll be mentioned this week in Chiefs, I'd imagine. Do you think so? Yeah. Um, they'll, that, that, they'll identify that, the 13 All Blacks <laughs> text message. Because that's what you were doing in the ad break. You're out there printing out that text <laughs> on an A3 piece of paper. You're going to pin that at Ruakura on the way back home. Well, yeah, but then I'd get a message straight back from the boys saying, no, mm, Sherlock, you know. Right, um, exactly. Yeah, so. I don't know, I don't know these days, do, do players think like that? Do, I mean, they play each other so much that the All Blacks are spread through the franchises now. I mean, that yeah. Auckland Blues side is going to be uh, horrifically loaded with All Blacks as well, but you still got to gel. 15 blokes, 23 blokes, still got to do the job. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you can only put so many of them on the field at once. And let's be honest, with the amount of guys that become All Blacks with the mm. big squads and all that, there's always going to be big numbers of All Blacks. Mm. You, you mentioned the Blues. For me, I just think, and I know this is going to wind up our, our Blues listeners, but I just think you might be a bit light in that type five. Mm. It's been a bit of a curse. And when I say light, that's actually an outrageous thing to say when I'm just thinking all of a sudden you've got la 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 big off, uh, <laughs> uh, big patty. But it still seems to me, like when you compare them... Well, I'm I'm thinking come crunch time, comparing them against you know the Crusaders who will be there at crunch time without a shadow yep. of doubt. Yep. So too all the chefs. Um, I just I just wonder if they are a bit like that. Um, on another completely side issue to who wins this weekend, mm. uh, try sitting on a lock chair, hold lever up, ensure chair down as low as it will go. While holding high lever up, mm-hmm. rotate one quarter, turn left back, then <laughs> release the other direction to return to the front, release lever, etc. Uh, etc. Et so this is the issue that I've been having with my chair. Um, oh, so that's that's the chair hotline. That's the chair how hotline. How to actually pull a chair up to get me back up to my microphone level? Look, that's a that's a well thought out text, and I appreciate that. And that's obviously a lot of experience behind there. But the, what's happened here? If I can, don't you go pulling the curtain back? I'm going to pull the curtain. Yeah. Back. <laughs> what, what's happened here? Just to save you, save anyone else the trouble who has chair experience. Uh, Karen's walked in from Studio B, has told you to get up. He's Put his hand on one lever, yeah. and, and the chair's popped up. To he's pretty much height. followed that text word for word. What he's done <laughs> is he's then looked at you with utter contempt, and he hasn't even said anything. He's just walked back out the door. It's an alpha move. I really appreciated it. Very powerful. And well, I, you're, you're all in on the Chiefs. I, I, I know that you're all in on the Chiefs, and I like this game. But I want to talk to you about something else, though. I want to talk to you about points in this game. Yes. Because I'm, I'm a fan of a, of a high scorer. Opening weekend of Super Rugby. Fans want to be entertained. Go at on. least I think so. <laughs> Condition's pretty good down there. It's a good time of the year to be playing night footy at, um, what, what is it? Orange Theory. Orange Theory Stadium. It's a whole lot better than June, I'll give you the tip. Yeah, well, there you go. You've been there, so have I. Not on the field, but certainly sitting in the stands. And, boy, she's brutal. I, I think they're going to throw the pill around. I think Damien McKenzie's uh, selection at first five means they want to play some open free-flowing rugby. I think those midfields match up quite awkwardly. 
awkwardly. Yeah, you've got awkwardly. Shooter at the back for one team. You've got Havili at the back for the other. Uh, it says, says a lot about the two, team, two teams' attitude, maybe. I think so. Interesting, the Nankville-Enor mm. matchup. Mm. Really am. We'll probably better go the news with Johnny Mack and oh, get back into that later. You're going to leave us hanging. Yeah. I'm really interested now. Yeah. Here is the sports news. The run home on SNZ. Scotty filling in for Curse alongside Beeve. Uh, getting our teeth sunk into a few topics today. Uh, Going to catch up with Wynne Gray, former New Zealand Herald rugby correspondent. After 5pm to just discuss uh, the latest developments and the ongoing saga that is who will coach the All Blacks after the World Cup. And we're going to catch up with Jacob Spoonley a little later in the show as well. Talk all things football. Uh, just around the corner, Olivia Courtwell chimes in. She wrote a story today. On an incredible rescue uh, at the Southern Lakes Ultra Marathon. That's a 250-kilometre race over six stages. It's a running race. Um, and bad weather intervened in a major way, a mass rescue, and uh, now all sorts of complaints and howls about uh, the lack of communication. So we'll cover that story off. Uh, ultra running in this country and obviously trail running outdoors, uh, it's a huge, huge sport. Uh, it may not get the headlines and may not be front and centre on your television screens, but so many participants. So there'll be a number of people interested in this story, especially those who are heading to what I believe one of the most well-run events in the country, the Old Ghost Ultra Marathon. Uh, I've had the pleasure of taking part in that event before. Pleasure? Oh, it was a pleasure. <laughs> it was a euphoric finish, I'll tell you. Uh, but that all happens on Saturday, this coming Saturday, down there uh, just in Westport, uh, which brings a lot of life to the town. And they've had a great summer down there, so uh, fingers crossed they have good conditions as well. And Phil... And the crew get a good race away. But Olivia Caldwell from Stuff will join us about that story. We're going to also catch up with the TAB at some point today. Um, trying hard to get hold of Thad, but I think Thad's just working the line on that Chiefs Crusaders game, Beeve, which has seen a few shifts and turns and twists. It continues to narrow. I'll tell you what, I can't wait for Thad to get on because I've found something else on the TAB. What have you found? It's called an NRL power predictor. Jesus. And it's essentially your own little power play with every team in the comp and you can pick them for a top eight, top four or grand final. Oh, yeah? And you can just build a nice one yourself. I'm looking forward to doing that. You So you're going to be on Penrith all year, is that, in other words? Uh, Penrith will be a top four. 
You turned for the Warriors yesterday, actually. I did turn, didn't you, I? And you said that publicly. Yeah. Because I, I mentioned the fact you were a Penrith uh, mm. fan through and through. I think we were talking to, to Mitch at the time. Were yeah. We? And, um, boy, you turned on me quickly. You wanted to shut that conversation down. You said, mate, we're at the Warriors launch. Don't be like that. <laughs> Mitch Barnett's got an intimidating back row. Yeah, I thought he was nice, though. He's a lovely guy. He wouldn't mind. I mean, he, st- he said he was still a fan of Newcastle. Did you see why he got a 10-week suspension last year? Uh, yeah. yeah. Just well, be careful around Mitch when you're trying to run a uh, decoy line, okay? Well, it's, <laughs> it's a bit different than a suspension <laughs> if it comes after me like that. <laughs> He's got to face the real world. It's very true. Um, Speaking of yesterday, Beef, just while we've got a little bit of time, I I believe some people have said to me today, Mm. and um, great judges of this kind of thing and and great critiques of uh, of the spoken word, some people are saying that yesterday was one of the great uh, outside broadcasts of all time, um, especially around that Mitch Barnett interview. And uh, I think Kieran's managed to pluck some award-winning audio um, that I, I think and I hope we're going to be able to play for you now. This is from yesterday from the Warriors launch to um, seasoned professionals. I need to get it. When did you get over? Uh, we moved over the end of October. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, so we, um, oh, we come here, uh, I think it was two weeks before pre-season went back just mm. to get our bearings and yeah. get settled and all that sort of stuff. Mm. And then we went back for Chrissy and then obviously back for the new year and yeah, yeah ready to go now. A few minutes later. Yeah, try to without getting crushed. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, good, mate. I'm a bit worried well, we can't. We should be able to hear him, but we're, we should be back on air by now, I'd say. Kenzie, you there, mate? Boys, hello. Hello, are we on air yet or not? So, boys, I've just texted you, Beaver, saying, can you please identify our wonderful guest? Oh, oh, so we're on air. Mate, we've been oh, on air for the last three minutes. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know how much we need to interview him now. Uh, yes, yes, everyone. The Warriors function is really kicking off now. We can't hear you in the studio. We can't hear Bugger All. That's why we're just chinwagging here. I just want to point out to those of you, uh, look, because we're professional, we can see our way through those kind of logistical challenges. But also, not knowing you're on air comes with all sorts of other concerns. Panic. And, and well... <laughs> <laughs> there is a saying in this business that the mic's always live. Yes. And um, look, we've been known to use a choice word or two uh, off here. Very rarely. Look, and we're only human. Yeah. And that's fine. Uh, but I would just like to say uh, there's very few broadcasters um, who would have run an interview live on radio while not knowing they're running an interview live <laughs> on radio who would not have fallen into the odd trap or two. <laughs> and, you know, I think in the fullness of time, once there's been a steward's inquiry mm-hmm. into what actually happened yesterday and how, um, I, I think people will come out the other side and say, do you know what, only because they're that good did they, <laughs> did they, did they get away with it. I think my interviewing skills are a lot better when I'm actually just conversational. Actually, that was fantastic. <laughs> and that's a lesson for you too. Because I thought that I was sitting back thinking, boy, he's really taking charge here in the preamble. Really taking charge. And uh, I have an admission to make. I had heard Kieran. Oh, you had? But I just... I thought you were in the flow, and I didn't. I didn't want to break you, boys. That's why I let it run. You know what? Because if um, if you play the extra clip, I play music for about a minute, and you guys are talking over it. Because I'm going, what's going on here? Because Beaver sat down, and he goes, "Oh, g'day, mate. Welcome in here, yeah, blah, blah. Just chuck these on." I'm going, "Great, they're on here." So I take away the music, and uh, Beaver, that was probably the best three minutes I've ever heard you deliver. To be fair, so maybe that's what we do. We'll turn down the all faders in the studio, so you guys can't hear anything. We'll just. We'll just turn your mics on whenever we go, and yeah, beautiful. 
fast, fast and choppy radio. No, it was good fun, boys. It was seriously good. And also, you know, all of those guys were great. Yes, they were. I, I thought Mitch was great. Luke Metcalf was really interesting. Slade Griffin was great. And, and Andrew Webster, I mean, he left me in no doubt about yep. what kind of taskmaster he's going to be for this team. Yeah, and I say it gives you hope. Just calm down, Warriors fans, but it gives you hope. It's being a, around them last night. It's a dangerous thing, hide. <laughs> uh, now, we've missed the TAB, but don't forget, uh, live betting on all your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Please gamble responsibly. R18, short break. We'll be back soon. Olivia Cordwell talking mass rescue in the Southern Lakes. Uh, that's a tune that'll get you going, that's for sure. 4.46 on your Wednesday afternoon here on SENZ. It is the run home, usually with Kirsten Beeves. I'm Scotty Stevenson filling in for Kirst today alongside Stephen Donald. And catching up now with uh, senior journalist from Stuff, Olivia Caldwell. Uh, for those of you who haven't read the story, and it's an extraordinary story, um, the headline reads, race organisers criticised for lack of communication after mass rescue, a rescue in Otago. Story was run last night around about this time. Uh, Tuesday night, a mass rescue was carried out. Eight people taken to hospital after 110 athletes uh, were trapped by bad weather and floodwaters near Arrowtown during a seven-day ultra-marathon. Uh, Olivia Caldwell joins us now. Olivia's also the author of Dating the Kiwi Mail, Beef. Have you read that? No. Need I? <laughs> one of the most, <laughs> one of the funniest books you'll ever read. Oh, so it, true. It's not. It's not insightful, or it's more humorous. It, well, it's a bit of both, actually. Okay. Yeah, you can. You get some valuable <laughs> lessons in I the think... psyche of the human male, <laughs> or the, the kiwi male. Mm. I'll, have to, I'll have to go back to that. Yeah, we'll have to. You should. Hi, love. Hey, hey, how's Mate, we're not too bad. We're better than a number of runners at the moment. Can you just give us a bit of a breakdown on what on oh. earth has gone on here? Yes, as you say, there's about um, eight of them. Eight of these athletes were sort of pulled out by helicopter last night about 1am, so mm. 1am this morning, and taken to hospital with hypothermia. So um, basically they got caught out because yesterday the sun was beaming down here, Wanaka, Arrowtown, and overnight we've had snow in the Cadrona Valley, snow up mm. in the hills. So they've got very cold and they weren't quite prepared for it, I think, but... Um, funny thing is they're kicking on tomorrow morning, the race. So, um, you know, they're pretty, they're pretty tough down here, right? Oh, you've gone that far. You might as well keep going. I assume some of the ones taken to hospital with hypothermia aren't carrying on tomorrow. <laughs> well, no, they haven't got back to us, but race organisers are criticised because they mm. haven't given us too much information about, you know, mm. the whereabouts now. They've told us they'd have been pulled out. They haven't really told us the condition condition of them. I think they're, they're good by, you know, by all means. But um, I think we don't even know how many are still in there and what the situation is. So it's a little bit icky there. But otherwise, um, I think police and fire have done a good job and Mm. Got them, got them all to safety. But it's, have you ever ran into Mason? I bet you have on your journeys. You're a bit of a runner, so it's just out of Arrowtown, and it's a good haul, and you have to cross 23 rivers. So that's 
basically why they got stuck there is you know these river crossings mm. that just got too high overnight that's not safe to cross them but have you ran in there yourself no look i, I was going to ask for a little bit of a pinpoint from you because um i'd never heard of mm. most town until i read your story this afternoon uh but oh. yeah it's 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 tough country in there for sure uh, it sounds like a really yeah. tough event but obviously everyone who's taking part in this event though olivia would have had safety gear there would have been full safety briefings yeah. i know ultramarathons you've got to carry a lot of safety equipment how was it was an alert made by one of the athletes did a did a locator well, beacon go off or how do we know how how this was first discovered the situation well, it wasn't just one. I think I think ten of them set their beacons off. So right. there, what, there must have been some sort of panic at that stage for ten, ten of them to do it. Mm. Um, so they must have seen the rivers rising, or just you know purely cold that night. So um, yeah, ten beacons went off. So they all have to carry them. They all have to carry a kit, as you know. And um, I'd say a lot of them, you know, panicked at the time, as you would, I guess, if you didn't have the appropriate sort of mm. gear or you just thought it was getting too cold. Now, I know you've never run in there, Sumo, but I must admit, Olivia, when I saw this uh, near Arrowtown on Sunday afternoon, I was sitting out the back of a uh, garden bar in Arrowtown <laughs> thinking hypothermia is the furthest thing from my mind. Yeah, something else was closer. Well, I'll tell you what, I bet you you even had a view of the entrance to Maystown if you were down the bottom street. It sort of is just this that lovely Chinese village, the river, yes. picturesque, and, you know, a lot of photos are taken down there. And so if you go further in, there's a four-wheel drive track. I have actually cycled in there myself. I haven't ran it, so that'll be on the list maybe in final weather. But, yeah, it's, it's pretty so uh, just wrapping this, yeah, look, we, we know that you, you you take some risk when you do these events, but but obviously uh, through emergency services, search and rescue, they've managed to get everyone out that they needed to get out. Uh, are we aware that everyone's in a, in a pretty stable condition? There's been no serious injuries or, or serious downturn in condition for anyone who was a part of that rescue? No, it was all low-level um, hypothermia. So, you know, what if, um, I, I'm not sure what that even means in terms of... Okay, <laughs> that's 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 real southern that's real southern language. You've just got some low level hypothermia, <laughs> champ. Get on with the race, mate. <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel now your your reception's going. Please tell me that you are not somewhere behind uh, the car drone ski field in the middle of nowhere yourself. You are actually in in civilization. No, I, I kind of do actually live out of civilization, but yes, um, a little bit out of reception. It should be better now. Um, yeah, so um, I, by all accounts, everyone's safe, and you know, um, it's a good news story. It's turned out to be. So that's, thank goodness for that. Well, I know you'll keep your nose to the grindstone as you always do. Love you, Caldwell, senior journalist yes. with Stuff and author of Dating the Kiwi Male. And uh, for our audience, I tell you, that's a plug for you, Liv, because um, there's yes, a few. There's, isn't it? Please go get it. There's a few listeners who <laughs> might want to look at that and just question their own behaviour. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you so much. Nice to chat. Lovely to chat to you too. Uh, glad to see everyone's safe. And uh, we're going to take another short break here on SENZ. The Run Home with Kirsten Beeve will be back right after this. This is how Beaver sees it. Yeah, well, today in my world it was all about... <laughs> <laughs> I knew this would get you, Scotty. Scott, this is a very serious part of the station, and, and uh, not just the show, the station. Sure. Today, Simo, my world was all about 
How long do you have to wait? How patient do you have to be to enforce or get some uptake on your own passions from your children? No, I'm, I'm not talking about getting young Jacko and live out there goal kicking from 30 out on the angle. I'm talking about fishing. Because yeah. that's the passion I want them to pick up. That wasn't a passion. It was a miracle. Well, it, was a job. it was a job. Um, I want them to pick up fishing because then that will free up my life considerably because, yeah. hey, not only am I babysitting, I'm off doing something that I want to do. Can I, can I stop you there? It's called parenting, I know. Now, Thanks. my kids are close to four, two and a half and one. They haven't quite reached that stage of picking up my passion yet. They like the concept. They like the idea of it. As they did this morning, and they said, Daddy, can we go for a quick fish before yep. you go to work? And I said, of course you can. That's the attitude I want. But then when we're about to up anchor and, and come back on, along the beautiful Manukau Harbour, mm. my beautiful daughter, Livy, goes, Dad, how come I didn't catch a gurnet? Right. I said, Liv, you've got to hold your rod for more than 30 seconds at a time. <laughs> She said, Dad, I don't know if I like fishing. Darling, patience. I'll have patience with you if you can have patience with our passion of fishing. S-E-N-Z. There's <laughs> a future, I think, for them. They really do love Wait, the idea. what happened there? You just, you moved your arm. Was that the end of it? Yeah. And now you're back into... Yeah, Stephen mode. Okay, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was just transfixed. <laughs> <laughs> Is it the music or just the, the softly spoken tones? I got a 14 and 12 year old and they still haven't caught up. Here's Johnny Mac. Hang in to watch the sport, let us cook. Get your Macca's favourites delivered with McDelivery. Rotaflex, world leading biomechanical design by Blunston. Stability meets the freedom to move. Available at participating retailers now. Kick back and relax. It's time for the run home with Kirsten Beeve. You're on the run home with SENZ. It's just gone 5.04 on your Wednesday afternoon. Coming up on the Macca's menu today, we're going to catch up with Wynne Gray very shortly, former New Zealand Herald rugby correspondent, senior rugby writer, wrote for years on the game, was always entertaining, hugely informed uh, writer and thinker on the game. A little bit later, John Fletch will be with us across the ditch. Comes to you every Wednesday here on SENZ. The Temper Bedfoes text machine is up and running. 8833, any thoughts today on Ian Foster's comments that have been made uh, through... Uh, Gregor Paul, and then subsequently through other radio networks as well. Uh, you can tell us what you think about the current schmozzle going on around this All Blacks coach, Pullman. Jacob Spoonley, a little later on the show, is going to join us to talk all things football. And don't forget, Drive to Survive has jackpotted $200 wow. in those bets today. So we'll give you the cue to call. That's come up around about 5.45 this evening. But uh, when Gray joins us uh, now, uh, or oh, not yet, he's going to join us soon. <laughs> Not yet. I'm jumping the gun. Just to recap on this story, of course, uh, Gregor Paul in the New Zealand Herald uh, wrote the story today. Ian Foster's made some comments around the fact that this process around the all-black coach 
uh, and All Black coaching appointment is not good for the All Blacks heading into the 2023 Rugby World Cup, which is now not too far away, 200-odd days away. He said that uh, this timeline shouldn't be dictated to by others. Uh, he's also gone on to say, quite extraordinarily, on uh, the Mike Hosking breakfast on Newstalk ZB today that he doesn't think he's going to be the coach um, after this process is all done and dusted. Extraordinary comments uh, from a man who quite clearly wants to be the coach, is the coach, and has a very big job to do. But this has felt messy from the start. It's not as if it didn't have their issues last year. They had an opportunity to either fully back Ian Foster or not. I thought it was a pretty tepid response from New Zealand Rugby at the time. Ultimately, Scott Robertson picked for his team during the original process to appoint a new black coach after 2019, Leon McDonald and Jason Ryan. Leon McDonald's deemed good enough by NZR to be coaching NZA, and Jason Ryan's already an all-black coach. You would think that a guy like Scott Robertson might have the march, but certainly the people he picked in his team have now been picked up by NZR, and they still are no closer to making a decision about who their coach going forward after 2023 World Cup's going to be. Uh, Wynne Gray now joins us. Um, Wynne, you're, you're probably as confused as I am, although I doubt that. You've never been as confused as I am. Uh, what is going on with this organisation? Oh, mate, it's just a continuation of the uh, confusion that seems to have been operating since they uh, hired more and more staff. <laughs> when a lot changed in your time as a journalist with rugby, and I had the pleasure of seeing your face around games and, of course, around the training paddocks as well. Um, has it ever been this bad? Has it ever felt this connected, this disconnected, from A, the people covering the sport, and B, those who are following it? Oh, that's a pretty big question. There have been lots of times of confusion, believe me. <laughs> and, uh, ever since I started covering the sport seriously, uh, there have been many times when uh, mm. uh, the confusion was widespread. Uh, I mean, it... it, it from the very early days when it just used to operate as as a small board with Barry Asmar as a secretary, uh, <laughs> things were nicely contained. But once the game became more popular, it, it inevitably, uh, the number of administrators and officials and every other bit of the organisation grew. And with that, you get... Um, all, all sorts of problems. And I think it's just mushroomed into where it is these, these days. When you say popular, do you mean more professional? Because uh, I would put to you the game's less popular now than it once was uh, in terms of the rural engagement with teams and the number of people actually playing the game. Uh, yes, probably right. Um, I mean, uh, people of my generation sort of can take it or leave it uh, these days. Uh, the game is just far too confusing. The laws are a complete ass. Uh, and uh, how you're supposed to try and understand the game when the referees and officials seem to have difficulty is mm. beyond me. When uh, this current situation on the coaches, is it a case of obviously depending on where you lie and where you sit as the applicant uh, makes it the ideal time for this announcement to happen? Uh, is it just people sort of trying to make their bed a little bit easier to lie in as far as uh, self-interest, I guess, would be the, the easiest way to put it? Well, I guess, yeah, the, the self-interest is there. The, the would-be coaches would like an announcement or a 
or a signal early, wouldn't they? <laughs> and the and the rugby union preferably would like to wait, but I think uh, the amount of pressure that's coming on them, they appear to think that they have to make a decision. And of course, the incumbent Ian Foster is is left in the middle of all this mess. Mm. You know, I, I, the whole thing has been a shambles. Because clearly if it's announced pre-World Cup, it's not Foster, is yeah. it? Well, you wouldn't think so. No. But who would who would know with the rugby union? <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess what, what's extraordinary today is um, Ian Foster's obviously taken his opportunity win to come out and he's approached Gregor Paul who was um, who worked under you for some time at, at New Zealand Herald um, he's chosen his outlets today um, he's gone a yep. sort of one foul swoop which is not surprising he's gone after what I'd say that the biggest outlets in the country to I guess air his grievances would that be a fair enough assessment and and do you think that he had to do that or is this the sign of of someone who's rather desperate to get a few people back in his corner well, uh, like it or not, I've, uh, uh, for, unfortunately, like, unlike you guys who have to keep up with the play <laughs> these days, it is not part of my brief, I'm afraid. <laughs> so I wouldn't really have a clue what's going on other than I see Ian Foster has spoken to Gregor Paul. Now, I would presume that's either... Uh, through Gregor ringing him and asking his opinion, should he be allowed? And he'd probably have to jump 50 hurdles and go through 40 well, people well, to he be actually, able to he, speak to he, Ian Foster. Sorry to interrupt you. When it, Gregor actually said today yep. in an interview that, that it was Ian Foster who approached him, that he initiated the conversation. Okay. Yeah. Righto. Well, uh, there you go. Uh, that That's a change. Mm. Most coaches wouldn't have a bar of journalists, would they? But <laughs> obviously, uh, uh, obviously uh, Ian Foster felt that uh, he needed to air whatever he was saying and mm. uh, rang someone whose number he had in his book. He wouldn't have had the numbers <laughs> of anyone else. So uh, away he goes. But, you know. yeah, he's blocked a few yeah. of us. No. I don't know that. Yeah, for sure. oh, yeah, absolutely. But mm. but you know, I mean, everyone plays the game, and this yeah. it's always been a game within a game. Believe mm. me, mm. from mm. the time when I started uh, to the time when I finished, there were games within games. And if coaches liked certain journalists, they were going to use them to the fullest extent. Mm. And if they didn't like certain journos, then those journalists we're going to give the coach a bit of a kicking. And so there's the game of two halves within the media, if you like. Where do you see this ending? Um, just with, with your, I guess, your, your fan hat on or your experience mm. hat on, what is the likeliest outcome here? That New Zealand rugby make a decision, uh, that it's probably a rush decision, that it probably makes no sense, or do they, they do what they've done so often and ignore the outside world and ignore the noise and, um, and go straight down the line and the way they want to do it and then post-rationalise it after? Well, they have to, they have to work out for themselves uh, do we need to uh, make any signals now? Do we need to make any decision? And B, uh, if we do or don't, what is the likelihood of us having access to some decent coach or coaching group uh, that we need to go on after this next World Cup campaign? 
That only they can decide that. They're the ones who presumably uh, know about coaches' contracts around the world, whether the NZRFU has got a dollar fifty left in the bank to to be able to pay <laughs> someone some more money. Um, you know, it's it's all this sort of stuff. Mm. But clearly, uh, they've made a they've made a mess of it. But also. Uh, I wouldn't be listening too much to the media or the public either. The the rugby union has to run the game as they see fit and get on with it. Mm. Tell us about uh, you, Wynn. Um, you missed around the scenes. Your writing certainly missed on the game and the way you covered the game and uh, your approach to it. Um, what's been happening since you, since you left the good ship Mother Herald? Oh, well, there's a big wide world out there outside Mother Herald, you know. <laughs> Lots of things to to be doing. Have you, you been know, bowling? I mean, like, Have take, you been bowling? Take take today. To, I haven't been drinking, but let's take today for example. There was there was a hedge that I needed to. <laughs> well, I hope it was straight. Look, a scant at a challenge. That, that's taken me a fair part of the day. So there's there are lots of things to do, and believe me, they all take a little, little more time than they used to in the past. But I, but I do that. I play a bit of bowls. Yeah. I watch a bit of footy occasionally. I enjoy life. I mean, it's great. Do you miss it, Wynn? I need to ask you that. Do you miss the day in, day out, the deadlines, the pressure of, of having those stories and the access that you had to have in order to do the job? Well, I tried to make my own access. Yes. I'll, I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. That was one of the secrets to working in my job. I, I had to ignore the fact that there were restraints uh, and that people tried to either gag, stop you doing things. That was half of the challenge to me, mm. and that's the part I loved. And I must say that for 90% of my working life, I looked forward to going to work every day. And so I, I consider myself extremely fortunate to have had a job that I that was kind to me. Uh, and so to that, I, I missed it for a little while, but I can tell you now having seen a lot of the what the media uh, delivers, both on television and on radio and in newspapers, and purports to be news or comment, I just roll my eyes and think, <laughs> I'm glad I'm not in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love having the chance to have a chat to you today. And finally, the last question, because uh, this is the million-dollar one, or maybe two million, depending on the going rate for a coach. <laughs> Who is going to be yeah, yeah, yeah. the next All Blacks coach, Win? Oh, God. Absolutely no idea. <laughs> Wouldn't have a clue. Uh, and, and to be quite honest, it, it doesn't worry me. Yeah. Uh, I just hope that they get it right. I think there are any number of very good candidates, believe me. Uh, it's, not, it's not confined to just one person or two people. There are... That's it. He's been got to. He's been got to. The very people. The very people he said would get to him, they've got to him. He's still there, Win. We've lost you. Well, Win Gray, anyway. We, we've got him back. I think you're still there, Win. Yes. We were worried oh, yeah. We were worried that somehow someone had got your phone and snipped the cord. <laughs> someone, someone got me early. Yeah. Okay. No, no. All well. Thank you.
Uh, great to talk to you, mate. Enjoy the bowls and uh, enjoy a life of contentment. And uh, again, reiterate, um, you know, your your lifetime's work is, is certainly a body to be treasured. And I think we will uh, more so over time, um, given the fact that that kind of in-depth reporting is still so crucial in professional sport. Wynne Gray joining us. Like a bit of Layla on your Wednesday afternoon, 5.22 here on SENZ. It's The Run Home with Kirst and Beeve. Obviously, I'm not cursed, but I'll have to do today. Cursed, I think. When is Kirst back? Next week? Allegedly tomorrow. Tomorrow? Well, I think so. I don't know about this. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Is that right? That's yeah. the admin no, that's that I'm hearing. That's bloody good stuff. Uh, you can get hold of us, of course, 8833 on the Temper Bedpost text machine. Uh, or give us a call on the Makita phone line. You, in fact, you know what? Hold off on calling us because you'll be calling us in about 22 minutes. Oh, yes. We drive to survive $200 in TAB bonus bets. Up for grabs, though. That's a big jackpot. That's what that is. Been a lot of chat today around Ian Foster. Comments uh, made uh, through and with Gregor Paul in the New Zealand Herald, who's then... Subsequently been interviewed uh, as part of the NZME stable by Darcy Wardgrave on ZB and Mike Hosking, for that matter, uh, on News Talk ZB. He's made some really interesting comments around the process that's at play at the moment. Um, uh, I, I've always thought, and correct me if I'm wrong, Beef, one, one of the biggest issues that New Zealand rugby's got itself into now is this adherent belief that if you haven't coached international rugby, you can't coach international rugby. <laughs> uh, it is the most self-serving line I think you could have ever created. It suits a small cabal of international coaches, and I know others have written about this, including Paul and Dylan Cleaver and the Bounce. Uh, I've always, it's always got my heckles up, this idea that, until you go away and coach another team, you can't coach the All Blacks. And, and now we're using that with people who have coached any team. Now, Jamie Joseph has been touted as, as a potential All Black coach, and fair enough, because he coached Japan? <laughs> really? Yeah. What, yeah. really? Do, does, does Vern Cotter get a look in because he coached Fiji? Does Kieran Crowley get a look in because he coached Canada? Uh, are, are we talking about, well, you've got to coach a certain overseas team? Because I don't think it's, even though it's a nonsense to me, and I, I stand to be corrected, if there's an international coach out there who wants to prove me wrong, prove me wrong. Tell me exactly why um, you need to go and have that experience either at assistant level or at head coach level. Uh, but other countries are taking on head coaches who haven't coached at international level, and some of them are pretty successful. Um, but I, the other thing that, that gets me about where the All Blacks find themselves, and we were just looking at some highlights of uh, the British Premiership, English Premiership rugby. I, look... I covered Northern Hemisphere rugby probably the best part of 10 years ago, beef, maybe even longer, uh, when I was with Sky TV. It was a joke. New Zealanders looked at the Northern Hemisphere competitions and they snubbed their noses at that and they, they put their thumbs down and they blew raspberries and they said, who wants to watch this? Why would we ever want to replicate what's going on in the Northern Hemisphere? Now, fast forward to today and the sport in this country is so obsessed with what the Northern Hemisphere is doing, so obsessed that they have quite possibly become the most reactive major nation in world rugby. I feel the innovation has been drained out of the game here. 
We used to be, once upon a time, and I use the we as in the sport here in New Zealand, used to be the most innovative in the game. That's why our coaches were in hot demand. That's why so many of them were picked up by other nations, by clubs overseas. That's why so many of our players are getting contracts late in their careers because they take so much knowledge with them to where they're going. So why is it? Why is it that the game here, the body running the game here, is so fearful of what other nations are doing? Have we absolutely and completely lost our edge when it comes to being creative and innovative in this game? And if so, how have we allowed this to happen? It's almost a confidence thing, isn't it? (laughs) That we uh, now care so much about the Northern Hemisphere. It's a a very good point you raise around uh, having to have coached up there. I mean, I'm pretty sure most coaches, in all honesty, will tell you it's a lot harder to coach week in, week out for a club team 30-odd weeks of a year or mm. when I say club team, you know, one of the one of the teams overseas and what have you, as opposed to, you know, coming in for three or four-week blocks with an international team where you can sit back, you can work out, you've got the best of the Pick best. the best players best in the players, country. Yeah. And you're literally facilitating a few weeks around getting them ready to go on the weekend and get the structures and all the moves and that and play. That would, at times, you'd think, and where motivation is no issue playing for your country. So you'd, you'd wonder if that is actually a harder job. The thing about the Jamie Joseph aspect, without a doubt, Jamie Joseph and Tony Brown need to be in the conversation for this next next job. However, you're right. Agre- agreed. But what, because they've they, coached Japan or no, because they're good rugby coaches? Yeah, or you'd, you'd lean on the other hand uh, because they're good rugby coaches mm. as opposed to the fact that they've coached Japan. I mean, you're right. Where does Kieran Crowley sit because he's coached Italy? Or Canada, sorry. Oh, and now, both. And both. I think Vern Cotter's done Scotland as well as Fiji. Correct. Um, so where do they sit on the on the t- on the on the old uh, def chart of Junior Rugby? And as far as oh, he's coached that team. That, Dave Rennie, the he's coached the Wallabies. I know. know. And, and this is the point. It's used as an argument to get the person that you want in. Yes. That's when it's used. But it's used as an argument to keep the person you don't want out. And that's not a that's that's a nonsensical argument to me. Because you use it against certain people and you use it for certain people. And well, the irony it, it, is the current coach has never coached overseas. Yeah, but he's been an assistant coach with the All Blacks. So that's the international coaching experience. And the, other, and the other thing he's not even getting mentioned, and I don't think he is even in the calculations, is the guy that's actually coached the most prestigious overseas team, the British and Irish Lions, multiple times, is not actually in the conversation. <laughs> so it's a, very, it's, a, it's a very deep rabbit hole you can jump in here. Yeah, but we need to be jumping in this rabbit hole because there's rabbits making the hole. <laughs> you know? There's a bit of myxomatosis when you need it. it they, there's, a, there's a Khaleesi virus that needs to go through here. I'll tell you what, there's one on my bloody... you got a rabbit, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> too many. In the hat or in the, on the field? No, out the back of home. Too many. How many rabbits you got? Oh, well, they're not pets. They're running wild, I can assure you. I see, I've, it, Paul's just texted, Guinness Premiership in the Six Nations, far and away the best, most exciting rugby competitions in the world. That's fine. Paul, I, I would love to know, and please get back to us, are you a Kiwi or are, mm-hmm. you, are you living here? Are you from, from the North originally? I, just, I would love to know if there's any bias in the statement. I'm not questioning you I'm, and not questioning your point of view, but I'd love to know your, your reasoning behind that because that's not a message I would get hosting a Northern Hemisphere rugby show 10, 12 years ago. No. I'd get the complete opposite. What are you even wasting your time for? No one cares. No one in New Zealand cares. The thing I love about the Six Nations is it's an event. Six Nations different. Yes. I love the Six Nations yeah. for the occasion. The occasion, the event. Yeah. 
I mean, I watched that Irish and France game mainly because my kids are keeping me up for every night. But first half, brilliant. Second half, help me get back to sleep. <laughs> Italy, Italy playing Wales, absolutely no interest in it whatsoever. Yeah, Put me to sleep now. Uh, and on fire Ireland versus France, brilliant. Scotland, England, I like it because I'm a huge Braveheart fan, mm. and I just see the <laughs> see the connections. But apart from that, oh please, Paul, we've just actually been watching the highlights of the Premiership. Most tries are scored from five metres out, rolling balls and little plays off rolling balls or plays off slow ball play. I've seen you score tries five metres out. You celebrated every one of them like you just run 80. Yeah, but now I can sit here on my um, high horse and say that it's boring. <laughs> but no, <laughs> I never got off the back. Well, I got the odd one off the back of the mall, actually. So, don't want to down talk it too much. There was a couple of big rolling mall efforts. Yeah, there was some huge <laughs> <laughs> No, Paul, no, Paul, we do appreciate the text. And, and why, as someone said, why do you like it? Is it because it's competitive? Mm. Is it because games are actually on the hook until the end because of the nature of their play? Yeah. I'll tell you what's the good part. About 40% of the people in each stadium are away fans. That helps too. It's 5.31. We're a little late for Johnny Mack. Let's get to him now for your news. The run home on SENZ. It is 5.33 on your Wednesday. A few texts coming in, more than a few actually. Um, obviously, this is a hot topic. Um, Richard says, I'd suggest the answer to the question comes down to one person, the professor. And uh, I take nothing away from that statement. I think uh, New Zealand in 2011 and 2015 win World Cups with Wayne Smith and don't without him. Well, we only rule it out because we presume he doesn't want it. I think we're talking about innovation here, the, the question yes. of innovation. When, when do we stop being the innovators? He is an innovator. He always was an Oof. innovator. Uh, when, but, you, I mean, you're part of that team in 2011. You know how important he was. Oh, absolutely. And, and Graham Henry would be the first to suggest that. Uh, in 2015, he was just as important. Great team, but just as important in terms of the, uh, the setup. Well, and, I think a year out from it, there was a bit of panic. There two, was. Two fourteen wasn't come back in. Two fourteen wasn't perfect, and the I think the senior pros of the team sort of said, "Let's get him from." I mean, he was residing in Cambridge at the time. But now it'd be tougher to bring him out of Waihe, a lot oh, longer drive. He's not going anywhere near this now. I mean, is he? <laughs> is he a Smoky? Is he no, what they call a Smoky? No, I'm sh- no, I'm sure he couldn't. He couldn't possibly. Um, but I tell you what, if he was to get in that, because it's, <laughs> it's a hiding to nothing for whoever's coaching the team. Wayne Smith suddenly comes in, you win 95% of your games, including a World Cup final, then there's just no doubt about it, is it? You, you, chuck, him, you chuck him on the wall as the greatest of all time uh, and, and you leave it at that, regardless of who's been before or who will come after. Um, such a brain. Uh, and obviously used a good effect for the win uh, during the Black Ferns run through to a World Cup earlier or late last year. Um, I just, I, I get tired of the reactive nature of rugby here now. And yeah, it's, it saddens me, actually, Beep. I mean, I spent a long time calling the game, covering the game. And I would have always been the first to sit there in a press box, big test, or after a game having a beer with travelling journos, Irish, Scottish, English journalists. You know, they admired the way the game was played here. Begrudgingly, in some cases. <laughs> and you would have known it by some of the stories that were written. Yes. But deep down, they admired the game, and they turned up, uh, especially on tours to New Zealand, and knew that their teams had, you know, but one chance to to get a to get a victory here. 
uh, it's gone now. The fear has just gone. And you turn up to a press box. I even remember in 2019 at the World Cup, we worked together uh, for Spark at, at um, the Rugby World Cup in Japan. There, there was no fear. No. There was no fear from the travelling journalists. There, there was still respect and admiration for history, but where they saw the games and the development of the games in their country v, v New Zealand, uh, they knew that not only had the gap been closed, but suddenly it was New Zealand rugby doing the chasing. I think the way Eddie Jones double bluffed the shit out of Steve Hansen before the semi-final was one of the master strokes coaching, just played on ego uh, and beat him hands down in that contest. Um, because we had a coach convinced that he could put anyone anywhere in a team and uh, and they'd win a game. Uh, Eddie Jones had other ideas. And I think you look at that semi-final as a real marker to say, uh, sometimes you can be outplayed, but it's very rare that I've seen an all-black team be outthought. You are, I mean, all these texts coming in are talking about innovation. And it's, it's, it's because it should be underpinning everything we do. Well, it's, well, it's the irony, well, not irony, I guess the facts are there's actually some some value to those sort of comments because for so long everything's driven from the top and what we're supposed to be doing at the top needs to be done fed through. Oh, that, but the only innovation we're getting from the top of the game is uh, innovation around a boardroom and that's only the board that's convinced oh, they're I'm, innovative. I'm even talking about how we're playing. Like yeah. we, we literally all run around in these pods of three and, oh, and all the rest of it and, and down to schoolboy level now. So we yeah. all play exactly the same. Yep. Um, and, and I guess any of the... Anyone that's popped their heads up and gone against that has obviously run the run the gauntlet a little bit, and therefore you've had to be very successful. You've, I, had, you you've can, had to be backing. I can tell you what, Dan Boyd didn't want to do what the All Blacks wanted him to do as a coach of a franchise here in New Zealand. Where did he go? He left. Dave Rennie didn't want to do what the All Blacks wanted him to do as a coach of a franchise in New Zealand. Well, he's gone. Mm. Uh, Scott Robertson's kind of, I, I guess, the best at tying the line. He's got to be because he's still here and he's still winning. Uh, but he doesn't want people walking into his organisation telling him what to do, nor should they. Well, he was towing the line until he did that interview with Joey Wheeler, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> <laughs> I don't so, know. A few, a few others have done interviews with Joey Wheeler, coming out the back of that looking wrong. Uh, Joey Wheels, one of the goats. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is going to go on and on and on. But, you know, I, I fear that, that we have just lost sight about what made New Zealand so good at footy. Um, and it's not about American money. And it's not about the brand you're trying to build or the television network that you want to build to connect direct to fans or whatever. The current language around your boardroom table is did a dog deal with private equity. It was a greedy deal. Your players now are thinking about themselves. They're not thinking about the team. Your coaching system is bunk. You haven't made a decision on a head coach. Pretty much in the last 18 months, if New Zealand rugby's got one thing right, text us on 0833 and tell us what it is because I'm struggling. I tell you what, we do get right here on the run home. It's Drive to Survive. It's your cue to call right up after this. We are planned for 200. It doesn't get bigger than this, folks. I'm not going to say it has to go because if you don't earn it, you don't get it. This is Drive to Survive. Oh, yeah, it is. And it's for 200 today. Yes, you don't adjust. The speakers, you heard right, 200. We are playing for from our great mates at the TAB. That's and a lot of bonus betting. Oh, it's a lot That's of bonus betting. That's a lot betting. of bonus betting. That's not even your money. And anyone who's a super rugby fan and has analysed the odds like me and Sumo have this week, we can find places for you to put it. Don't worry about that. And with 200, you can afford to stuff up here and there. Uh, because... <laughs> 
I'll, I'll take you can 10 off you just to pay back the multi I just made. <laughs> you can afford to listen to beef. You can afford to listen to me. Pipe down. It's not even time for you. This is Drive to Survive. This is my segment. How dare we you for today, no, Simmer? Impetuous. Yeah. Waves his finger. But anyway, we'll get, we'll get started. And we're going to start with, I think, a man who's recently had to endure the heartbreak of Beaver's Best. John, is that you the same John from Christchurch, mate? Yeah, baby, yeah, not bad, mate. Yourself. Uh, straight off the bat, uh, Crusaders. Will they be lucky this weekend and get the job done against the Chiefs? <laughs> Here we go. Well, I tell you what, I think we will, but it, it'll be close either way, mate. It'll be a hell of a game, and they're meant to take it's uh, just a good free-flowing game, and they all start well, and they all come through injury-free, so uh, it should be a cracker of a game. It's okay. Absolutely. The weather'll be good. Yeah, weather's good there. Daylight saving still. You still get some. Open, free-running football. You're looking at me like daylight savings. Sumo's looking at me like daylight savings not a factor. Daylight savings not a factor because it's the, it is a factor because it's the closest thing to daytime rugby the boys get to play now. I'm just I'm just looking at you. So there's no Jew. I'm not looking at you like anything. The ball still stings. The boys sort of feel a bit fruity. But now we'll start the quiz. Uh, young Was that Jacob. on the first question? No, it wasn't the first question. Is it daylight saving in Christchurch on Friday night? No. Uh, Paralympian Cameron Leslie has been selected as a finalist for what prestigious World Sports Awards, John? Uh, the Laureus. Oh. The Laureus World Sports Awards. Good on her, mate. How cool is that? That's awesome. Cool. Awesome. Well, I hope she yep. has a good That's night really as me cool. and the great Johnny Afoa did, uh, Sumo. At the Laureus Awards. At the Laureus. How did you two battlers get an invite to the Laureus Awards? After the World Cup, we're the only ones in the UK from the All Blacks of that team, oh, and they sent us to along. It's oh, fair to say they, pro- they probably knew we weren't winning it because you wouldn't have wanted us going up on stage. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, question two, lap one. Who beat the football ferns 2-0 the other day? Argentina. Argentina. Jeez, I love how sharp and accurate we are. The other day. The other day. The other day. <laughs> the other day. You boys, you boys ever heard of a date in that That's producer gonna... room? Hey? The other day. Hang on, it's your segment, Beef. You wrote all these questions. Oh, you wrote did, that. You wrote did, that down. Uh, I'm guilty. Guilty. I'm just trying to pass the buck. Uh, question three, lap one. Here we are with John on fire. Who won the NBA All-Star game earlier this week? Um, not... Um... Uh, what's the old name, mate? Um, God, what's this? I'm just trying to think of what his name is. Um, oh, you know, uh, the one with the funny name. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, um, might be funny yeah, in Christchurch, no. John. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, not LeBron's team anyway. The other dude's team. I can't think of what the name is. <laughs> okay, it's good enough for me tonight. It's good enough for me tonight. Exactly, Johnny. So when did, it, when did it stop being East versus West? Um, 20, yeah, 2016, well, yeah. yeah. And so what, after it's always, NBA. Oh, uh, it's always been after the biggest stars now? Uh, no, yeah, so it's been LeBron versus Giannis for the last. Two biggest stars in each conference pick their teams. Yes. Yeah, so basically they pick the reserves, uh, but the starting team are picked by the fans, <laughs> pundits, and players. And they wonder why it's an individual game. Carry on. Sorry. Can't, I can't stand that. I love the East versus West. Uh, question four, lap one. Here we are, John, looking down the barrel of possibly 200. <laughs> and this is a question which I didn't write, uh, but you'll get this as an easy one. Who are the mighty Chiefs playing this Friday and some will say are absolute certainties? 
Well, I don't think there's just anything, mate, but we'll go to the Crusaders, eh? Crusaders, and just like that, we have looked after lap one. Geez, this is tailor-made for John to make a charge at this 200. Sure this next question, too. Name the Crusaders lock who's been ruled out of the derby. Sammy Whitelock. Sammy Whitelock, the great, the great all-black veteran now. Question two, lap two. Ryan Fox shot a course record at Tiardi Links the other day. Back to the other day. Uh, what did he shoot? Uh, on the final round. No, no. He... Just a one-off charity game at Tiardi, which is a, a very uh, fancy golf course north of Auckland. John, he's shot the new course record. How many did he uh, shoot? How many shots did he take? Uh, I'm going to go seven under. I don't know. I'm a golfer. Golf fan too, and a Foxy fan, but yeah, no, not sure. I'll go seven under. Oh, yeah. his engine oh. has blown. Was well, it's a bit rude? You never asked John what par was at Tiardi Leagues. Yeah, it's a it's, it's a question that escapes even I, <laughs> I'm afraid. But I do know what his previous record was. Um, mm. If anyone needs a clue. So we're going to go to Charlie now and Geraldine. It's been a while, Charlie. How are you? I'm fabulous, mate. The previous record was my age, and the new record's now 60. There you go. He's not even waiting for you to ask. No. So Charlie and Geraldine, jam capital of New Zealand. Well, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just waiting so that he can give me the, the next answer for free, like he gave me Giannis. <laughs> really English opener sort of style here from huge, Charlie. He's, he's front-footing this. Yeah, Charlie's <laughs> coming off. He's really... Fr- well, I mean, I if you can't get this, you don't deserve 200, this, this next question. Geez, the boys in the in the office there told me that they don't know if it'll go today. It's a sitter of a quiz today. Who is the Red Dolph Red, oh, Red Dolphins Redcliffe Dolphins coach? Who's the who? The Redcliffe Dolphins. Oh, isn't it that old fella? Um, Wayne. Oh, what's his last name? Are you going to give me because it's Wayne? Oh, no. He's the most famous coach. Phone. Yeah, you can see his son in his oh, shred. Spoke. Jake has pulled the pin. Yeah, Charlie's oh, gone. Charlie didn't even get a second chance. Well, he, was go- he doesn't want to draw. He's going win or lose. Win or lose. That's how he's playing yeah. the game. We now get to... Jeez, we've been all over the place today, but it's good to end up in Chiefs country because I don't know if he'll need too many guesses on this. It's Brett from Huntley. Brett, how are you? Only person on around SCNZ more one eye than you, Beaver. <laughs> hey, how was the football ferns? You enjoy that? Uh, uh, yeah, I went to that. Uh, not good. <laughs> <laughs> some, that is some red hot Huntley analysis coming out. <laughs> not good at all. Now, being a uh, when, when they went to 5 0, it was a tap on the shoulder to Miss Tenen. That's our sub. <laughs> We've seen enough. We've seen enough. We'll be back, though. We'll always get back there. Now, in Rugby League Heartland, that is Huntley. You'll know exactly who this Wayne character is. Who is the Redcliffe Dolphins coach? Mr. Bennett. It is Wayne Bennett. Now, I'm glad you've had some experience lately with the football ferns because if you really read your program there at Waikato Stadium, well, I hope you did. Oh no, yes, uh, Jacob. He's, Jacob just changed the question on me. I'm not going to read the one I was going to. It's, it's actually something else now. Uh, former All White Tyler Boyd is set to join which MLS club? Uh, no idea, DC United. 
front left tires. Yeah, you can see it's so oh, boy. We're jackpotting, oh, Sumo, because I don't give two bites at the lap three question. Of course you don't. No. Why would you? <laughs> well, I'll tell you why we you don't. You think the tyres are warm by now? <laughs> it's 2.50 tomorrow. It is 2.50. Triumphant return for Kirst tomorrow on the run <laughs> oh. home. She's giving away 2.50. 2.50. Goodness gracious me. Well, that was um, Drive to Survive for another day. Time for a quick break, and then uh, we'll figure out what's happening next. In to watch the sport, let us cook. Get your Macca's favourites delivered with McDelivery. Rotaflex, world-leading biomechanical design by Blunston. Stability meets the freedom to move. Available at participating retailers now. Hold on to your seats. It's The Run Home with Kirsten Beeve. By here on the run home on SENZ, uh, almost 6pm and almost signed across the ditch and have a chat to Fletch and Joel. Not quite though, Beef. Just been a pretty intense, been a pretty intense show today. Talk about intense. Uh, Charlie's Charlie's intensity has come back at us. Charlie's come back. No, he's come back on text now. Charlie, we know you're not happy. Uh, We've done our best, mate. But if you can't remember Wayne Bennett's last name, then, you know, you can't throw that back on us. No. Absolutely. Somebody else texted in about another Wayne. Uh, they appointed Wayne Smith, nothing else. That was the, You asked for what have they done well in the Oh, that's a great year. call. Thank you very much. Yeah. They did. They did appoint Wayne Smith. Um, and uh, they won a World Cup. Smart. Apparently, if you're down in the Deep South, I think the Rugby World Cup's going to make an appearance down there. Riverton way? Oh. Ever, ever been to Riverton? I'm sure I must have. Out of Invercargill? Mm-hmm. I have done some time around the south. I thought your region. great mate Jimmy Cowan would have taken you out to Riverton for a look. And the big whop. He's yeah. he's taken me around some, some back blocks. I've driven around in Chicago with the Ranfordy Shield in my boot. Have you? Yep. I don't know why. I came down, Lester Rutledge was managing the team after they took the Shield off Canterbury in yes. 2009. Kept it over summer and I think down there doing an early season story and Lester goes, oh, you might as well take it for a drive. I think I went to King's Fish Market and Ordered my fish and chips and yeah, beautiful. just had the shield sitting there. Yeah. A bit of blue cotton chips and Talk the red shield. Of course I did. You'd never kiss it. Staying in to watch the sport, let us cook. Get your Macca's favourites delivered with McDelivery. Rotaflex, world-leading biomechanical design by Blunston. Stability meets the freedom to move. Available at participating retailers now. Kick back and relax. It's time for the run home with Kirsten Beeve. You're on the run home with Kirsten Beeve uh, here on SENZ. Scotty filling in for Kirst today alongside Beeve. Uh, text here, Beeve. Uh, Riverton just happens to be the place where the Trans-Tasman kayaker landed on Saturday. Imagine that. You've paddled all that way. You've landed in Riverton. You've said to yourself, well, <laughs> what a spot. You think you should, would have been better going the other way? No, I think he's sticking around. Okay. I, to I don't know much about the Trans-Tasman kayak. There's always someone, isn't there? Someone's just doing something silly across the Tasman. Don't think my hips would take that long in the No, quiet. you'd need a pillow up to keep your hips above <laughs> yeah, your knees. Exactly. That's, that's how you drive your car around too, I noted. <laughs> do you still do that? You still run in the pillow? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Can you give me the can you give me the scientific the physiological reason why you do that? Keep your hips above your knees. Hips above your knees while you're driving. Stops them from getting locked up. Oof. 
When did you first discover this? Who told you to do that? I have a great physio, Kev. And, Kev McCord? Uh, yeah, Kev McCord. And uh, <laughs> I will do it for the rest of my days. And if anyone's having any hip issues out there, yep. get that pillow on their bum, keep them above your knees. <laughs> Just common sense. I still remember the first time you pulled up and I sort of I watched you get out of the car. Your hips didn't look locked up. Your back was screwed. I thought yeah. you had oh, yeah. Achilles issues at the time. But <laughs> I thought well, I thought at first, don't, and I, I thought you might have hemorrhoids. I thought it was one of those hemorrhoids cushions. <laughs> yeah, it does nothing for your Achilles or your back. but Or your well, hemorrhoids for that matter. No, well, your hips, geez, your hips feel good. Is that any drive at all? Just even if you go popping yep. down the dairy? Yep. Just always slot the pillow in. It's a discipline thing now. <laughs> uh, I bet you the Aussie boys aren't far from listening into us here, Simon. No, nah, this is every chance they'd listen to me talk about your hemorrhoids yeah. and wondering what's going on <laughs> across the ditch. Um, I'm going to find out about this kayaker. Has anyone talked to this kayaker? No. I know nothing about the trans-Tasman kayaker who's landed in Riverton, of all places. He's gone. I don't even know where he's left from. I don't know when he left. I don't know what size the kayak is. Who is this person and why has he done it? Or she, for that matter. What's the direct line from Riverton? What's the direct, sorry? In Australia. What would be the direct line? That'd be south. South yeah, would Australia. Be, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. South of Tasmania, I would have thought. Left from Adelaide. I don't know. Jacob, can you look that up on the map? <laughs> yeah, of course. Riverton must be at a, at a latitude below Australia. Mainland Australia, at least. Yeah, I'd say so. I think you'd want to get on those southern, southern, southern currents. So you'd probably want to start in uh, Townsville to get to Riverton. <laughs> That's a long way round. And that's a long way round. Come on. There must have been some hairy moments because oh. surely this guy or this woman started during a cyclone. And the sea off the west coast of New Zealand was not exactly what I'd call small. It's not to mention sharks, but let's not... Well, you're not falling out of the kayak. <laughs> How many sharks do you know have jumped up and taken the kayak? <laughs> have you? I'm not, I'm not running that risk. Uh, I think the boys are there. Oh, they are? Ah, uh, look, that sounds like the sumo to me, Brian. Yeah. Scotty Sumo Stevenson, Stephen the Beaver. Hello, boys. Hello, How are guys. We? How you going? We're going very, very well. Uh, Scotty. Yeah. The nickname Sumo. Yeah. Getting to know you. It's <laughs> <laughs> good. It's good. I really, really jumped. Um, I used to. You guys were doing a lot of surf lifesaving clubs. Obviously, yeah. big, big sport in Australia. And um, I grew up doing surf lifesaving here in New Zealand. And I was the fat kid in speedos. And that's it. Ah, oh, sumo. Yeah, that's it. Okay. So, um, but I was quick in the water. Gotcha. Like, and, you, don't, you don't expect a dolphin to run fast, do you? But you expect <laughs> no. it to have a certain layer. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Beave? Where did Beaver come from? No. He's no. never going to tell anyone. <laughs> I've, tried, I've just, tried for 15 years. Just an innocent kid thing, really. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Ugly looking child. Where did Fletch come from? <laughs> Uh, well, my nickname as a kid, my family nickname's Kirby. Why? The because, cartoon? No, the wrestling. So I got four older brothers, and there was apparently the wrestlers would Kirby was the announcer. Yep. So when I was little, <laughs> I'll get you Kirby. And so I'd run around the room, and my brothers would chase me. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty rank. I like it. Yeah. Did they catch as it? You, as you do know, Sumo. I don't know if you do know this. Mm-hmm. My real nickname is Tripod. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's what my friends are really yeah. aiming because to call me. Or just Pod. Yeah. And I, I assume that was um, due to your, um, your joy of um, hobby photography? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Correct. That's my call sign. Now, Steve-O, 
or uh, sumo. Sumo. Yeah. sumo. <laughs> well Let's you know not get the two confused. <laughs> how well do you know our man MacGyver? <laughs> so, are we still on that? <laughs> this was this had all just gone down fresh the last time I was filling in on this show. Um, mm. I, have you guys? Oh, have you buried the hatchet? Has there been any other awkward moments, or are we through it? No, we haven't spoken to him. <laughs> <laughs> Hasn't made another Wednesday. Nah, that's just the way I like it, Sumo. No, he's, um, been, he's been around yes. for a long time. Yeah, he has been around. Mm. Uh, no, cursed because I'd imagine he's on a honeymoon still. I don't know if he's even started the honeymoon. I yeah. think just the wedding party continued after Beaver left and everyone sort of could relax. I think they just kicked on. It's just a few days briefer, I think, for young Cursed. I think she's back tomorrow and uh, she probably needed a few days, to be fair, guys. Yeah, how was it, Beef? Good yeah, wedding? Yeah, very good. Very good. Yeah. Heavy. Very heavy. Um, and, a, and a thing, I don't know, first time I'd ever come across it, and I don't know if I'm old, but I'm, I think I'm younger than you two, but a silent disco. Have you ever come across it? Mm. Is that with the headsets on? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, was it because of noise restrictions? Mate, or? there wouldn't have been a neighbour within kilometres. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but I remember I wasn't in a great state by the time the silent disco <laughs> came out, but I, I, got, all, I got into it. Did you? I really yeah. did. I don't usually hit a D floor, but geez, I got into it. I did see an Instagram video of um, World Cup winning All Black Mills Millionaire, also enjoying himself <laughs> in the silent disco. I can't imagine you dancing for starters, Beef. <laughs> it's it's amazing what a day on the grins will do to you. Be, uh, beef with the uh, silent disco. Is everyone listening to the same? No, song? that's the magic. Ah. That's the magic. They reckon you're, you're not listening. There's to three the same options. Song. Okay, let me guess the songs. Dave Dobbin. Uh, yeah. How bizarre! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what else have we got? Uh, appa- apparently, because I was furious because my wife came and swapped over with me at one stage, and she put me on Spice Girls, and I was enjoying whatever I was listening to, and then I was on Spice Girls, and I didn't have the capabilities to change my channel. Why? I was hey, not- Beef, can I? Wheels came off. Can I ask you? So I went to a conference once upon a time, and they had it was a silent conference. <laughs> there'd be three. There'd be three different rooms, and. If your headsets were red, you could listen to the red room. There was green, there was blue. So was there coloured headsets? So yes. Could you tell what everyone else were listening to yeah. based on their colour? Yeah, I, I got informed in the morning there was some <laughs> sort of coordination. <laughs> I just left in an all sorts of confused state. So uh, tell us about Curse then. Is she a, like on the spectrum of party going? If, if there's a 10, Brian, who would be a 10 for partying? I reckon Kirst, yeah. You reckon she'd be up there? I don't know. I, don't, I mean, I know her, but I, don't, I haven't mm. seen that side of it. But she strikes me as someone who, who, would go, <laughs> who likes a good time. She ended up in an 11. Uh, at, oh, yeah. at, at one stage, I, and this is, this, is, this is how bad I was and then how bad she was at one point, I thought I had to talk to her and pull her aside and say, hey, it's not even dark, see your wedding night out. But that was after she had challenged me at one point to some uh, – Take the knee carry-ons. Um, she just went bang, bang, bang. I think on the trot, <laughs> and uh, I was honoured to be supplying the alcohol for a wedding. But uh, the five percenters. I'm a four percent beer man, and then these five percent vodkas that we make—they really catch up on you. Caught up on me before they caught up on Kirst, I think. But so, what so about she took a knee and said, "She right, said, come with go. me, come with me, host partner here." So one boff times three. Yeah, I wasn't. Wow. Steve, I haven't, I haven't been to a wedding for a long time. What's the go now with presents? 
the people, you know, they say, oh, look, we, we don't want anything. We just want your company or your attendance. That's all bullshit. As we yes, know. of course. <laughs> you, want some, you want some payback, then, don't you? But then people say, he's. do they still do like wedding registries? Yes. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Okay. So you go in quick and get the ironing board. <laughs> you, 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 the you go, if you don't go in quick, you get left with either having to pay a fortune. While we're yeah. on this topic, what did you go for on the wedding registry, well, if anything? Maybe, maybe the alcohol. Oh, you supplied the alcohol. Mm. Jeez, that was kind of you. Yeah. Was that conditional upon your invitation? <laughs> I don't know. How big was the wedding, Dave? What's that? How big was the wedding? And, uh, and to what point do you miss the cutoff? So if it was 60, do you still make it? What's your number, you reckon? I reckon it wasn't much bigger than 70. Yep. Oh, intimate. Yes, it was actually. And uh, we're, down, we're down in Queenstown and... Uh, I hadn't seen sun for a while. I got absolutely hosed up by the sun. They were trying to apply sunscreen to me about nine o'clock at night. Well, by then it was it was too late. Far too late. You get a perineum out. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> we're, we're, <laughs> well, we're talking about this sunning the, the perineum. It's a big, it's a big, it's a big go. It's a big go over here. What, what, sunning the gooch is a big go. Yes. Yeah, 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 the Graham. So, <laughs> so the Graham gooch. The gra- sunning the gooch is yeah. huge. Wow. It's, yeah, there's a there's a couple of NRL players doing it, give, trying to get a little little bit of an advantage in the upcoming season. Goodness this is Van Inkham. So no more than 30 seconds on the John Voigt, and then off you go. <laughs> hey, Beeve, guess, guess what's come across my desk? Tell me. I know what song you were listening to while you were dancing. Uh, Gibbo hit him. <laughs> uh, here we go. This is my favorite bit. Oh. That's so good. This is the best bit. Yeah. <laughs> Ready? Coming up. Hey! Yes, please. I love it. I really wish I'd been in the state that I was at Kirsten's wedding singing it. I love it. I really, really love it. You should get an album coming out. Uh, Let's talk some sport, boys. England. Give it to you in four days. Not as bad. Not, not quite as bad as us. No, I was going to say, in a, in a rare moment, I'm not going to go there. Um, geez, I tell you what, if you play for the Blacktown Mounties right now, you'd be fancying a call up to your team too, by the oh, way, because, no, geez, you're going down on stocks. Uh, England are really good. I'll give them that. They just come at you. Um, they come at you from all corners. It's down calling the game, and uh, there's just no let up. And Baz McCullum has just got them wound up. Something chronic. That, that is probably the happiest cricket team I think I've ever seen. They are so sure of themselves and what they're doing. I say sure of themselves, not in an arrogant way. They're just so confident in the game plan. Mm. Different story, I think, at the Basin, uh, at the biggest roundabout in the world, um, <laughs> starting on Friday. I think we might see a New Zealand team that, A, needs to improve, fellas, and, and I think will improve too. Conditions may be a little bit more suitable if the rain stays away. Yeah, well, we, can't, we, we don't have any upside for us. <laughs> <laughs> You're still in we, India. <laughs> we have, I mean, they're all coming home. Yes, uh, pl- pl- it's nice. Players were injured, yeah. went over injured, yeah. come back even more injured. I don't know. How to, I don't, don't play a game, but you can't. For some reason, Josh Hazelwood's done his Achilles. I don't know what he's well, doing. Maybe Cum- run into the Brasco. Cummins came know. home and he's gone back. Now Warner's coming home and uh, it's all happening there. I'll tell you what, it's not going to be long, mate. I think two more tests and I think they'll be screaming for Justin Langer to come back. Oh, well, that's the, the drums are beating. What about Beavers' drums? The Panthers. One of the great upsets in sport. Mm. They get beaten by an English Super League team, St. Helens. Beav, did you get to see that or do you... 
care to see it. Oh, look, I had bits on it, which upset me when I woke up Sunday morning even more than the wife not talking to me. Um, oh. <laughs> was that after the wedding, Bert? Yeah, it was after the wedding, yeah. Yeah, uh, good boy. Good the, boy. Um, that was the same after your wedding, I recall. Yeah, I, did, I didn't get talked to for a while after my own wedding. Mm. Um, the this Panther team, though, I mean... I wouldn't say it's all over, but when you look at that team that they put out, and I know Edwards come back in, not quite the same, is it? That uh, went to the went to the promised land a couple of times in the NRL. When you take out Kikau uh, and RP, it's just a little bit down on the big guns. Yeah, I st- I've still got quality though, Liam yeah. Martin to come back. Uh, but you're right, I think, and and young Mitch Kenny, he'll learn his craft. Yeah, at the moment yeah. he's quite safe in defence, but yeah, you're right. They're not getting that smartness around the ruck. But they're still, still, they're still contenders for sure. 100%. Yeah, Brian, we've never, ever had this conversation, no. this topic, with our SNZ partners, NBL. Yes. 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 The Breakers. Oh, yeah, it's on. Is that getting a lot of noise over there, the Breakers? Oh, sure Qualifying is. for the grand final? Yeah, it is. Um, just given the fact they've been, uh, they've been awful for a couple of years, but obviously COVID had a big impact there. But a Breakers game in Auckland is one of the best sporting occasions, I, I reckon, in the city, if not the country. Uh, yeah, the King's yeah. the same here, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is just entertainment from the moment you walk in. Really passionate fans, the Breakers. Obviously, it's a similar situation to the Warriors where you're, you're a one-club country. So... Uh, there's high hopes that they can they can make another breakthrough. I remember being there in the final series. They won, I think, it was the the second championship they won, and but the, the town was going ballistic for them, um, and a, and a good bunch of roosters too. A lot of change there now, American ownership, but even so, just having New Zealand basketball back in the main dance, I think, is huge for the sport here, which is already growing anyway. Sumo, is there any New Zealanders in the NBA? Yes. Uh, yes, Steve Adams is in the NBA. And a former yeah. uh, tall black, Sean Marks, is actually uh, the boss of the Knicks. Um, uh, sorry, not Nets. the Knicks. The Nets. The Nets, Nets. should the I Nets. say. Um, so Sean Marks, is, um, he's made some pretty brutal calls as a general manager. But, uh, yeah, Stephen Adams, uh, certainly um, the big fella down at, still at Memphis, um, is, uh, he's one of the most popular blokes, I think, on, on the circuit. Did you uh, did you know that we uh, we've got massive reason for Warriors faith at the moment? Oh. We were inside the launch last night. We we did a broadcast from there, and geez, oh. I tell you what, some young Australian lads came over and impressed us, didn't they? Some a young yeah, Barnett, Mitchie, and, Mitchie Barnett in particular. Um, what a, what a lovely Metcalf. bloke! Uh, you wouldn't want to cross him, but um, <laughs> he uh, he came across and, and Luke Metcalf's the other bloke who's, who's injured mm. a hamstring in that last trial game, but. Uh, you know what, it was so encouraging to hear them talk about getting out of their comfort zone and coming here and actually want to contribute to the club. And I remember listening to Brad Walter, both of you boys will know, over there. And, you know, Brad, I think, knows his league pretty well. And he's talked about the depth of the club. And it just felt that way last night. It felt like there's, um, there's real high hopes for the Warriors who start the season top of the table, of course, like everyone else. <laughs> Wonderful. What, did you get a chat with the coach? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He scared impressive. the tits off me. <laughs> yeah, very impressive. <laughs> wow. Hang on, why? Why did he, <laughs> he come across? Mate, he just—he was talking about fitness, and I—I oh, right. I, I thought I had to go and do a hundred burpees <laughs> after the interview, just uh, because I thought I've got a little bit sloppy. And um, it looked the the players rave about him. He sounds like he's got he's got a bit of steel about him, but also yep. the sort of approachable guy, and he's got the background. So, yeah, I, he could make a real difference at the club. I think. Yeah. Okay. Can I just give you one tip? Yeah. 
Don't shower with him or get in a spa with him. <laughs> <laughs> he no. does walk around confident, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah he's chest up. He's upright. Yeah. He's upright. Oh, yeah. Yep. yep. No, that's the word on the street. Yeah, I may have done that once or twice, Brian. <laughs> you have, sugar? Yeah. Not good for the confidence, no. No, I'd say that. <laughs> what a great fella. He, it, honestly, he's probably been a little bit serious uh, as the head coach. You, what I'm saying yeah, he is... He was it, serious, but you, you can see there's a twinkle in the eye there. He'd, he'd, yeah. have, he'd have a great joke with you too if he yeah, got to he, know He yeah. will be, boys, he will be loved by the players. Gotcha. He yeah. is such a great bloke. Beaver, do you know New South Wales Waratahs coach uh, Darren Coleman? Uh, well, no, it's history, but no, I don't know him personally. No, I don't know him. No. Okay, well, he, he strikes me as that type of bloke. Yeah. Mm. Affable? Very affable. I had a beer with him in the off-season. Wow. I've seen some players go, really? have a good time. <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would love to be coached by this fellow. I, I, I just, what I need to see, boys, I need to see the Warriors go on a, a winning run where he's not under the pump, he's relaxed, and we can see the real Andrew Webster. Yeah. Well, that'd be I promise great. you now, he's that'd one of the great rock-solid humans on mm. the planet. He's a champion bloke. Well, they've got a tough start too, boys, because they don't get two home games in a row until rounds nine and ten. So it's not, again, it's not the easiest start for the Wo-Wo's. But look, I, I, hope's high here. It hope's is. high. That's well, what Sean, the trader who comes on the show, he, he thinks it's obvious the Warriors will get the spoon. I cannot have that. No. Maybe I'm too invested into Webby, Webby. but, but mm, I, mm. I can't see that. No. I mean, the way they're talking, Tamari Martin is it was the first one old Webby sort of said, who's impressed you? They all did. Tamari Martin. He said, yeah. he, he, yeah. everyone is saying, and I think uh, even the reserve grade coach, Slade um, Griffin. Slade yeah. Griffin said, Tamari Martin is set for a year. Mm. So, yeah, hope so. I think they just, they've, story, bought, they've bought too oh, much knowledge, story. haven't they? They've bought too much knowledge to to go down that pathway. I, I think, I think so. you know, just Webby, but the players they've brought in and, and and guys have had real tough yards and first grade football from other clubs. So I think it feels like they've got a blend there at the moment, and they've still got a lot of talent too, a lot of natural talent and ability. So, I don't think Warriors fans are thinking wooden spoon, but um, you know, it's all going to kick off on the third, isn't it? Correct, second, in fact. Oh, second, should I say. Yeah. I know you're, you're quite... A little bit yeah, you're a little bit, you're a little bit uh, far in front. <laughs> Boys, before you go, it's our Wacky Team Wednesday, Sumo. I don't mm. know if you're uh, across this, mm. but uh, we come up with uh, Wacky Teams, and it's on a Wednesday, hence yeah. why it's called Wacky Team Wednesday. Yeah, what are you going for? Well, today, yeah. today is the International Dog Walking Day. Sure. Mm. So, basically, it's names that has a, a dog sort of theme to it. So, i.e., We've got Travis Barker in the back row with Pitbull, yeah. Uh, Dog the Bounty Hunter, and yep. so forth. Yep. Uh, Claire Danes, yeah. Sasha Gray, Sasha Gray, Sasha Gray, yeah. absolutely. Well, yeah, 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 I do yeah. know the name. Yeah, fabulous yeah. actress. Um, fabulous. Sasha Gray, well, I, I need I, one from you guys. Can I throw Toto Wolf in there? Oh, perfect. Mercedes, no, Mercedes, the Mercedes yeah. team boss, team principal, yeah. Toto Wolf. Yeah. Will that will that do the trick? Absolutely. Sumo, you might have to have two goes because I know how busy we can be. Hang on, hang on, hang on. You're counting on thinking like, about four minutes. And yeah. I haven't been yeah. prepared for this either like sometimes I am. But uh, I'm Charles going. Barkley. Oh yeah. oh, yeah, nice. I was actually oh, going yeah. the animated uh, Mace on the case from Paw Patrol, one from number seven, I thought. But uh, maybe I'll go Charles Barkley. Okay. Toto Wolf. That's awesome, <laughs> boys. No, I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't prepared for that, Sumo. Yeah. No, sorry. I've usually just got to agree with. Tar. That's a good one, Curtis. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> and just put a line through it. But no, Toto's gone in. Uh, boys, thank you very much. Yep, we've got to go, boys. All right, thank you boys. very much. See you, later. See you now.
It's the run home on SENZ. Scotty and Debbie filling in for Kirsty today, I am. Uh, only today, though. She'll be back tomorrow. Looking forward to her being back on air with Beaver. It's been good fun, though. And it continues because we're going to talk some football now, Beef. Right in our wheelhouse, you could say. <laughs> We've been waiting for this uh, all show. And what you don't know about football... <laughs> not well, worth it. It's not worth knowing, but... The man we're going to talk to right now is Jacob Spoonley, a former goalkeeper, of course, from New Zealand, and uh, a man who knows plenty about football, including the Champions League. Final first league games, round 16, set to be played tomorrow morning. Jacob, Man City playing in Leipzig, while Inter Milan are playing Porto. Uh, a, couple of, um, a couple of really interesting games. Should we talk about Liverpool first, though, and Real Madrid? PK Stevenson and Eva. Uh, short answer. No. Uh, just, uh, take a sabbatical. It's take a sabbatical. I'll come back to you at the end of the season. Mm. Hopefully we've signed June Ballingham. Hopefully mm. we can mm. look forward to the 2023-24 uh, iteration of Liverpool with a lot of hope and delight. Jeez, this that's a real was the aim that was absent both of those things. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, this is a generational issue as well. There's three of us in my family. Uh, yeah. We go back to the, to the start of the club and... Um, it hurts. It hurts, Scotty. Well, it hurts at Anfield in particular, right? You'd, you'd want a more spirited and proud performance than, than they were able to show today. Um, but second legs beginning on the 8th of March. We go, well, let's talk about Man City. I mean, all the talk around the Premier League is obviously around Man City and, and what they've done and what they haven't done, uh, whether it's illegal, whether it's legal. This is going to go on for some time. But here they are in the Champions League and everyone turns a blind eye, it seems, when it's football time. What, what is the feeling around Man City actually, you know, being still part of the premierships, being still now in the Champions League, it feels like this is all backroom lawyer stuff and the game just goes on. Well, it's interesting. Um, I think what we're talking about here is what's called, or what's been coined as financial doping. Mm. So um, you'd, most of your listeners would say, oh, well, you know, you get a sponsorship agreement or you get some sort of revenue that comes in to um, exploit the platform that Man City do provide. And what an actual fact has occurred, or at least has been accused of occurring, is that because Man City are effectively owned by the UAE and those that run the UAE, um, they are able to um, leverage that control and go to somebody like an Emirates and say, hey, we need X amount of dollars poured in this year. And Emirates will say, great. And they will presumably go to the state government and say, can you provide us with this and make it look like a sponsorship agreement? So. That um, basically is exploiting um, and flying in the face of the financial fair play rules, which have been put in place to ensure the financial stability of a lot of clubs. Because it doesn't necessarily happen at Premier League level, Mm. although we saw it happen with QPR when they went down to the championship. But people do spend and borrow based on future earnings, which are obviously conditional on staying at that level, and they don't always stay there. And Man City are the latest team that's been accused of this. And I would like to point out that Real Madrid and Barcelona have not paid their state or federal taxes in Spain for a number of years. So this is not an issue that's new, (laughs) nor is it limited to England. We're just going to put this down to football and be done with it. Well, I mean, if you if you start paying them in the UAE, there's no tax in the UAE, is there? So that's that's helpful for them too. (laughs) Now, mate, before we get in a rabbit hole there around tax laws of the UAE... uh, the football ferns, but closer to home. What have you made? Obviously, a few international fixtures of late leading into the World Cup. What are we thinking? That is a masterful pivot, Peter. It uh, was, actually. From, it the, was very uh, good. The, the, uh, 
the tax of the UAE into the football <laughs> fence. Yeah, look, I, I think this is, um, there, there are a number of parallels to the black fence and um, the rugby yeah. team that we saw preparing and then um, themselves having to pivot and obviously getting in the godlike um, Mr. Wayne Smith. Um, so they had a wonderful uh, flexibility and they adjusted so well in what was only months leading into that tournament. Um, Yeka Kunkova has seen her team, I think, being given a bit of a reality check mm. um, over the last couple of days. We effectively saw a very polished and professional, but not necessarily a team filled with stars in Portugal, um, really put them um, pretty uh, close to the fire um, down in Hamilton. And then I think with everyone looking for a response against Argentina, um, we didn't quite see that. And there was an Argentinian team that was there to be exploited defensively, um, they had some real gaps and deficiencies, and I think they were apparent to everyone that was watching the game. Unfortunately, the Ferns didn't have the firepower to exploit those deficiencies, and the chances didn't come with regularity. So what I would like to say, and it is a large caveat, and um, bear with me, but we don't have necessarily our two starting midfielders in Rhea Percival and Annie Longo. Both um, are scheduled to come back just before the World Cup. The game against Argentina was also absent of CJ Bott, who I think is making a case of being one of the best firms on the field every time she steps onto the field. And Ellie Riley, the inspirational leader, was also on the sidelines with a groin injury. Uh, and then factor in an elite who plays in the NWSL, um, sorry, the, the WSL in the, the UK for Aston Villa. And Vic Essen, who has captained the side as well, is in Rangers. And both those Goalkeepers were out. So if you start adding those things up, there's a bit of a spine that was missing from this team. You're almost and, doing me a team. Um, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And the scary thing, Beaver, is if you want to tally up the caps that have been accumulated between those players, you're looking mm. in the thousands. Yeah. So there's a lot of experience there that was missing. What Klimkova, I think, has done, and this is fine under the radar, is she has built out the depth of the squad. So there is a burgeoning middle class of players. Younger players that are looking to have an opportunity to build a career aren't quite there yet. Uh, and we did see them potentially uh, be put to the test and not necessarily come up with all of the answers against both Portugal and Argentina. I just It's a fine point you make around the, the amount of talent that's still to come back into the squad for World Cup duty, uh, Jacob. But... You know, the fact remains that this team has now played the US twice, played Portugal and played Argentina. They have conceded 16 goals and scored none. Um, they've got another chance against Argentina tomorrow night. And and it's great to build depth, but you don't want to build scar tissue too early in careers either, do you? And uh, these guys have got to find a way, these girls have got to find a way to find the back of the net, I think, just for their own confidence. This is the last international they'll play before the World Cup, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, surely this is the time they have to find a goal here, one, two, anything, just to say, look, this can be done. I think it's a really, really important point. And the cold, hard facts of the situation are, and I could be off slightly, but the point still stands. They have scored six goals in 15 or 16 games, and that does not make for happy reading. And uh, let's be frank about it. Scoring goals at the international level is something that is incredibly difficult. The All-Whites themselves went, um, I think it was close to 400 minutes without scoring a goal, and we've got one of the most potent strikers either side of the Tasman and Chris Wood. So um, it is very, very difficult. And I, we saw how difficult it was against Portugal, who were so organised. They literally did not give the Ferns an inch mm. for the majority of the 90 minutes. 
So when I say it's a reality check, you might assume that's uh, putting the firms back on their heels a little bit. I also think that this is defining the problem for the firms and saying, look, this is the level that you need to get to. And just to your point about the internationals, Scotty, actually we've got a number left. So we'll have some pretty intensive um, preparations, both I think overseas and then also in New Zealand right before the World Cup. So this is not the last chance. This is not the last boat that's leaving necessarily, Great. but we do need to see that improvement. And I think mm. a lot of it is going to um, come from how competitive the Wellington Phoenix can be. Because if we say that we don't have those senior players, they're still injured, they might not be ready for the World Cup itself, which would be a terrible shame, then we do need to rely on the players that Yeka Konkova has assembled in this window. And I think they really need to put the bit between their teeth. They are, a lot of those players are younger players, mm. and I do think they have the ability to respond, but they're going to need to do so quickly now. Finally, mates, and, and very briefly, uh, we'll flick to the men's Phoenix, uh, beat Western United well over the weekend. Uh, put to bed their penalty woes. I think it was the first time they'd converted uh, this season. Um, not much separating the top teams in this competition, but it's very, very close. Uh, where are the Phoenix placed in your eyes uh, heading up to uh, take on the Central Coast in the next game? Massive, massive game. It's a six-pointer against Central Coast, and the Wellington Phoenix have already demonstrated an ability to meet Central Coast, who are the entertainers of the competition, mm. eye-to-eye. So this is going to be an absolute dogfight on Friday night, and it's going to be one that's got fireworks because both teams love scoring goals. You then truck and trailer that with the Phoenix returning home after a month to play Newcastle and Sydney. Both of those teams are in the peloton that makes up the majority of the A-League at the moment. So the Phoenix could come out of the next three games either in that peloton mm. or they could firmly cement themselves as the team that's second in the competition. And that is the carrot that Ufuk Tale and this Phoenix inside has dangling in front of them at the moment. And having chatted to a couple of the boys during the week, they know this and they're hugely motivated to not only score those goals, but to correct some of those defensive issues that have been a bit of an anchor on them so far this season. And mate, finally, one very quick question. Uh, Roy Krishna holds uh, the scoring record for the Phoenix, uh, 19 goals in a season. Oscar Zwada has nine already, nine games to go, I think, in the regular season. Uh, do you think he's a chance? I think if Jan Sass, if uh, Krajev and if David Ball uh, playing like they did against Western United, you're going to see Oscar Zavada go on even more of a tear. So it's a long shot at the moment. He's got a bit to make up on Roy Krishna, mm. the wonderful Fijian flyer. But I think this is a case where if they do hit their straps collectively, he's going to be the man to profit. You're a legend, Jacob. Uh, what you don't know about the game, uh, certainly I don't need to know and I don't want to know. Always a pleasure uh, to talk to you <laughs> and get your knowledge. Uh, you've certainly upgraded us. And uh, Beef and I have got Speak some homework to do now. Uh, actually, Ricardo Ball's been in touch. Here's a footy stat before you leave, Jacob. Real Madrid have scored more goals in England in 2023 than Chelsea. So there you go. Can you tell Ricardo to be quiet on the couch, mate? I don't need to hear that from anyone. <laughs> and, and I'm going to avoid you boys after a Liverpool loss going forward. Yes, uh, never never after a loss. Never after a loss has been noted. Jacob Spoonley, uh, footballing mastermind. Thanks so much for joining us on The Run Home, buddy.
Jeez, that's a slow jam. That's great, that. Mm-hmm. 6.48 on your Wednesday evening here, 22nd of February on the run home on SENZ. And we haven't really talked a lot of cricket today. I'm sure that'll ramp up in conversations across the network tomorrow as we look ahead to the second Test match. New Zealand taking on England at the Basin Reserve starting on Friday. Uh, but we did want to just point out we, we do still um, have you down through Hawke's Bay and, and Gisborne to Raifate, Tairafate, uh, um in our minds uh, very much and we know that you're doing it tough there and um, we haven't forgotten about you up here in the big smoke at all and um, it's some intriguing audio that we've got to play for you and you know here's a guy who made his test debut on the weekend in the middle of all of that uh, Blair Ticknow's Hawks Bay boy um, he's been at home last couple of days uh, helping with the clean up family and friends uh, devastating scenes but here's uh, Blair Tickner on the experience yeah, luckily New Zealand Cricket released um, me and Will Young to go home uh, to help out for two days. So um, my father's house has been yeah, fully destroyed and um, it was good to get back, help them out. And um, obviously it's just hard times for the whole region, so helping out neighbours and whoever we could. And um, luckily enough, the Central Stags cricket team were helping alongside us. So um, it's been tough. It's really tough at the moment, but um, the Hawks are staying strong, so it's good. Grow up there as a kid and it's just, yeah, it's just crazy, to be honest. It's a bit, a bit hard to talk about, really. Yeah, Blair Tickner and, and obviously emotional and, um, you know, he's taken out his dad's uh, loader and um, things haven't gone well, Beef. Luckily, my dad's got a hire business, so we've been um, clearing neighbours' stuff, uh, using the forklift and uh, loader. I actually got my old man's loader stuck, so hopefully he doesn't watch this uh, news report. It's about a <laughs> metre in mud at the moment, so... Um, uh, yeah, I probably shouldn't have driven around the neighbour's yard and uh, they said it wasn't that deep and I uh, got it stuck. So, um, yeah, sorry about that, Dad. He's a champion man. Uh, he and his partner have a, a lovely cafe down uh, in Hawke's Bay too, uh, near the new sporting complex. And, you know, we were just talking in the break, Beef, about the devastation. It just seems incomprehensible at the moment. Still thinking about um, just how tough it is down there. And I know there have been some reports of more rain on the way, but... You know, for a young kid who's dreamed his whole life of, of playing cricket, which seems like a real low priority right now, of course, um, but for him it wouldn't have been. It would have been such a moment for the family and, and to have to do that at, at a time when your family's suffering and then potentially have to go and do that again this weekend. I, I can't imagine how tough that is for, for Blair Tickner and, and Will Young, as uh, he mentioned, being released as well. So um, thinking of you, man, and thinking of all of you down in the Bay and, and through Gisborne and, and the East Cape and... Everyone who's doing it tough at the moment, which is a few of you, it's uh, it's awful. And uh, you'd be pleased to know New Zealand Cricket today has uh, announced that they will launch a disaster relief fund. Uh, that fundraising match will be the Black Caps taking on Sri Lanka. Uh, it's the one-day international at Eden Park Brilliant. on the 25th of March. ANZ uh, New Zealand uh, is pledging $1 million at the match and uh, hoping that uh, all the fans... We'll donate further on the day. All ticket proceeds um, and uh, will go uh, into fundraising and there'll be other game day activations as well. So uh, a lovely touch from New Zealand Cricket and their major sponsor, ANZ. Absolutely. Phil will join. Absolutely. Phil will join, well, I'd say, for that. Yeah, you should. And um, look, if you if you need an excuse to go and see the cricket, it's a pretty good one. Go there and uh, you know buy a ticket and that money will, will see itself into the right people's hands and um, and we can help with this clean-up. Even if we can't um, have our own hands on the shovel, we can certainly make sure that money goes somewhere good. So it's a lovely initiative from uh, NZ Cricket and, of course, ANZ. And uh, now it's time for us to play our part as cricket fans in the city of Sales and don't get a lot of international cricket, no. especially the test matches these days. 
So a one-day international at Eden Park and a chance um, for you to put your ticket stub to, to the perfect use and help out the people um, throughout the Bay and through um, Tauraferi, as, uh, as mentioned. And let's be honest, a full Eden Park is a beautiful thing anyway, so let's make a full. Well, we've had some days. <laughs> we've 